Hello. Connor. Connor, you got to help me. I'm losing it, man. This book is driving me crazy. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know who I am. Mike, 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 calm down. What, what happened? <laughs> uh, I considered ranking Shadow Moon lower than Bob Honey. Great Scott! Where are you? I, I don't know. I, I just wander the whole night uh, trying to cast minor glamours, but then I realize they're not a thing. Okay, well, just tell me what you see around um, you. Um, I see my office and my desk, yeah, and I see a framed picture of Nick Nolte. Okay, okay, you're in your office. Stay there. I will see you soon. Help! Vermont Taxi! Airport, and step on it! Airport? Hmm, well, let's see. Uh, mm, no, uh, can't get there from here. I'm not a tourist. Just take me to the airport. Oh, right, got it. Okay. Minneapolis Taxi! Take me to Mike Nelson. You got it, friend. Here you go, pal. 334 Mike Nelson's place. Mike, open up. Open up. All right. I'm coming in. Mike, Mike, don't do it. Don't rank Shadow Moon lower than Bob Honey. Oh, hey, Connor. I had my headphones on. What's up? You called. Despondent. Bob Honey was mentioned. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Tuesdays I have a paint and sip class. Never answer calls for me after 9.30. <sighs> okay, well, I came all the way from Vermont. Can I crash on the uh, couch over? No. No, sorry. If you could just kind of prop the broken door back up into place as you leave. Sure. Okay, thanks. Sure. Hey, call me. We should record an episode. indeed hello everyone this is 372 pages we'll never get back i am michael j nelson connor listoka and i from rifttracks.com we get together we do this reading group over books we are probably not going to like and boy howdy connor did we hit one this time yeah uh uh have we i uh, you know so I, I i had to make my way back to vermont after that whole incident thank you i could did not you? afford a plane ticket so i hitchhiked oh. okay. um did some things i'm not proud of but i yeah. uh when you put your home everything turned out okay so so well, it's good right i mean you know I, I i alluded to to some dark some dark times getting there that you, you do not seem to care too much sure, about sure but you're home and all is good and so i mean i uh, you know i've I've started therapy, so yeah, I mean, all, all yeah. will be good in a, in a, they say, a couple of yep. years, perhaps, but no. All is good. All right. <laughs> well, um, that out of the way, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing a Shadow Moon, a book written largely and almost totally by George Lucas. Yeah. Um, I don't know, and some yeah. other guy. Uh, Chris Claremont. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting his name. Yeah, and it seems that uh, I don't know. A lot. Of, there's a lot of portmanteaus that are being tossed around, but it seems like a lot of people are have arrived on Clucas as their uh, preferred method of describing him. 
Kalukas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's got the same revolting sort of uh, you know <laughs> like tone as Shatlard. So as long as you can combine those two, it sounds like something you cough up or something, or like a like you know like a like a cloaca on a on a bird or yeah. reptile. Yeah. 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 It, the it's the substance that oozes out of a uh, of a cloaca after uh, after they <laughs> lay a particularly large egg. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that uh, seems to fit. Seems yeah. to fit. Um, uh, we have all our departments this uh, this episode. Boy, do we! Yep, we got some 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 confusing fanfic to trick you, uh, and we've got emails from some very frustrated readers, and we have oh, just some of the dumbest sentences that we've ever heard. So, uh, just great job all around from everyone who is. Uh, some of them are just as frustrated as we are, but they they keep on trucking. Um, I'm just, again, I, I, I think I mentioned it last time that I was, you know, in some level pleased that there were people who were frustrated with it because <laughs> you begin to question your own sanity. Well, yeah, you don't want to, uh, you know, I, I always say like, you know, I am, I am not a, a dumb person and you feel, you know, you, you say it enough, you start to feel arrogant about saying it, but, uh, it's good to know that there are other people out here who are like, no, listen, like I've, I've read books <laughs> that are, that are clearly way more highbrow and uh complicated than this has any right to be and yet this is the one that i find myself being like i need a professor to walk me through this one yeah and i was thinking about it in terms of um you know i think we talked about on uh calibrate our tastes once or twice that uh some of the big ones like have you ever read uh uh, what is it? Gravity's rainbow, or I gave it know. about five percent, and then was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least if you did struggle through one of those, you'd be like, well, look at the end of this. You know, I can tell people, hey, oh yeah, I read that. It's right. a tough go, but uh, you know, but yeah. this one, you're it's like, got why is this such a tough go? Yeah. And there's no reward for it. <laughs> Although uh, I will say this: that last weekend uh, had some people over, and one of them was just uh, checking out my new. Um, monitor rig. I got a new monitor rig uh, at my desk, and uh, I had the book there. And he was just like, "Is this the book sequel to Willow?" And and he had read it, uh, you know, fifteen or twenty years ago. What? <laughs> he is the guy that has uh, that has uh, DM'd uh, the uh, the one or two Dungeons and Dragons sessions that I've participated in in the past couple years. So wow, uh, that that uh, you know, it's not like it was a. Uh, you know, the, the, the supermodel I invited over who was uh, um, right. you know, spotting that and being like, oh, wow, <laughs> I read that in between, uh, you know, bikini shoots in the Maldives. So <laughs> um, I brought this up to you offline. I, I might as well bring it up now and we'll just listen to a little of this. This reminds me, this whole book and experience reminds me of the song poems <laughs> that we were passing around. And this will be explained to all of you out there. Song poem is a term used to describe uh, this scam that went on for a long time, it probably still goes on for as, as far as I know, but in this sense of cutting records for people who would send in lyrics for a fee saying, hey, you've got talent as a songwriter, uh, send us, you know, $100 or whatever, and we'll we'll turn your song into a hit. And then they would just mail back a 75 or whatever. Of, or what is that? What, what's the small? Yeah, the RPM at 33. But yeah, it wasn't a scam. They would actually do it, right? Yeah, they would actually do it, except the scam was they weren't bringing them anywhere else. They weren't. Right. Oh, yeah, it was right. like, you know, we're going to bring these into the music executive's <laughs> office. And so, so it was just basically people insanely ranting on paper and <laughs> ha- handing it in, and then they would turn it into, so it has all the makings of a song. It seems like it has music, and there's a guy yeah, singing. Yeah, harmonies. Has, like... Yeah, a guy who has talent, and there's session musicians. 
uh, but it's just gibberish. And that's kind of what this book is. It is bound up in papers. It has been printed at a print shop. Uh, it is professional. And you read it and the words are in English. But like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and so that's a song poem. And here I brought a little, uh, I got a little sample of one here. I think I can just pull it up right now. Nice. Um, it's called Human Breakdown of Absurdity. I think I felt that reading this book. See, so it's... Yeah. You know, yeah. there's choral people singing in the background. There's harmonizing. There's a little guitar lick going through the whole thing and it's just words 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 and yeah that's it's yeah it's a it's a, it's one step towards coherence from ipsum lorem text uh yeah whole placeholder yeah. text but yeah so all that being said hey let's <laughs> yeah, dive, dive in. in let's talk about this book for an hour or two <laughs> <laughs> i mean we left so we left off uh you know in media res last time where uh, uh thorn who is willow uh, has traveled to uh, I think Angwin, uh, the high, you know, c- citadel, like the the capital of the whole realm, where there's a uh, essentially like a a bat mitzvah that's going to happen for Alora Danum, who is the baby from Willow. It's you know she's not Jewish, but they're having the ceremony that happens when you turn thirteen and she becomes I don't know something is going is going to happen. Yeah, she's. Uh, uh, they refer to it as a, a sacrament or something. So, okay. <laughs> so apparently they're just, I guess, you know, Catholic Church or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like, so this there is a lot of these in this uh, in this most recent fifty pages. But the the uh, paragraphs that take up pretty much a, a, a page of book text that any given editor worth his salt would have just put a whole red x through because they add nothing and they're just pure descriptions of either geography or a feast or a pile of clothes or something but instead we just get treated to all of them in the book um and this first one was about geography so if you don't mind i'll i'll start reading it you could tell me maybe where if you were the editor where you would have pulled the plug okay okay This keep was easily the oldest structure on the palace ground, standing alone on a neighboring hill, separated from the main buildings by a clutch of horse barns and carriage houses, with a dramatically commanding view of the city and bay beyond, so solidly constructed that its walls appeared to be a natural extension of the hill itself. The fore slope was steep and high, gent enough to that. exhaust any force making a frontal assault. The back side of the hill was much gentler and led and originally to a smaller summit beyond. Right into the- <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you've <laughs> thrown it in the trash, and there was, let me just check, there was still 113 words left in that paragraph. So, oh talking God. about hollows between knolls, artificial rises, but yeah. I think once you hit four slope in any uh, in any description, you've you've gone too far. You're in too deep. Uh, yeah, this has come up before, uh, and I th- I have faulted um, the master Tolkien himself with it. Descriptions of landscape, I I I'm out. I oh. can't I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> it just doesn't. You know, those are at most you give someone. A, a sketch, right? You give them just the tiniest little sketch. Just fill it in with your head. There's nothing interesting about describing landscape. No, 
Yeah. Um, I, we're not doing uh, historical battle recreations here, so we need to know where the fourth division is coming up through, what kind of cover they have, and is there, you know, defilade on there? You know, we don't need to know that. Yeah. Uh, I assume we don't need to know that. No, I don't think we do. I mean, this is in the middle of him, you know, sort of escaping a dungeon. So he's taking time to, you know, size up four slopes and uh, hollows between knolls. Um, but yeah, this is just the sort of thing that you imagine in a uh, in an X-Men comic would just be a, uh, you know, a full page splash drawing of this, you know, regal fortress or whatever. So that's I guess that's what he's going for as a comic book author. Yes. And uh, so he escapes from. The dungeon where he had the, I don't know, he didn't, uh, he didn't talk to the demon yet, though he certainly will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, my he, God, we'll get to that. Yeah, he escaped it, I guess, with the help of his uh, cloak, which we'll get into that powers as well. But he, um, he, he sort of bursts out into a like bustling area and immediately finds himself smack in the middle of uh, slapstick plot device 38B. Where a uh, you know a character is someplace they don't belong, and so they're nervous that they're going to get found out. But then someone's like, "Hey, you!" and they're like, "What?" and they're like, "You got to bring this thing here! Like, quit log- lollygagging!" Like, um, they he just is 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 mistaken for a worker immediately. Yes, I thought it was uh, you know lazy writing, even for a sitcom, even for <laughs> uh, you know young Sheldon or something. But yeah, it's it's like a. Uh, you know, Hope and Crosby road movie or something like yes. that. You know, keep it wrapped around you and we won't get noticed. Hey, you two, over this way. <laughs> uh, immediately. But uh, that presents a sound challenge for us right away okay. from this guy who finds him. Yes, the man cried in exasperation. You, short fella, here now, hop to it. He finished with a roar when Thorne didn't cross the courtyard with sufficient alacrity. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like you to make that the roar when someone doesn't cross a courtyard with alacrity. What's your roar for that? Okay. All right, well, here he goes. He's carrying the tray. He's going to be what, what, he's going halfway across the courtyard. But, oh, my God, this has taken 15 seconds. This is not alacrity at all! <laughs> There was was asperity in that (laughs) anger at alacrity. Yeah, you get your asperity and my alacrity, things are going to (laughs) happen. And uh, he also also uttered one of my favorite things anyone has so far. He said, God's truth. Yes. Uh, So that's a good sign that we're in uh, in fantasy times. We're getting words like that tossed around. Was that, I didn't look it up, was that a spelling thing? Was that a common spelling of God's truth? Oh, um, I didn't even, I just... I don't know. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I know. <laughs> Let's not spend any more time. Uh, and then we get you talk about the description of uh, the the you know whole the sweep Landscape. of the land. Yeah, I'd like to uh, you know zero in a little bit, and uh, and you get out your pencil here as editor. And uh, this is a description of a loading dock. <laughs> How much do you need of a uh, description of a loading dock? Let well, me I've start. Seen and you plenty. Can... You know, just uh, you know outside sure. the grocery store there. The basic lines of the overall design had been kept through this wing as well, but they were far more simplified and functional. Well, sure, it's this a was the dock. section of the palace that none but staff were ever meant to see. Again, a loading It had dock. to work because they had to. A com- uh, adornments only got in the way. I have never the seen The windows weren't as dock. big. Uh, I'm just meant to convey to the reader that the windows were smaller there. I hope you got that. <laughs> Nor were there as many. 
Uh, there weren't as many windows. I'm, I think that's an important <laughs> thing. The mason stones were square and solid, lacking any of the gingerbread carvings that decorated the public facade. You've gone off the rails so of gingerbread carvings. I'm really I... making a distinction between how a loading dock would look. A triple set of doors led off the loading dock, not so tall as the main entrance. That is where I wrote blah, blah, blah in my notes. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, full paragraph and a half of a loading dock description. It was so gingerbread carvings. He's saying it's like a you know a Baba Yaga's hut in the middle of the woods, or like that just came out of nowhere. I just sort of decorative uh, mason work. You know, I'm. Not... Well, he's going to the worker area from the. So he's like it's a. You know, just think of a, I don't know, any movie, Princess Bride. He's in the Princess Bride courtyard, and then he goes around back. And we know that that's <laughs> right. where yeah. the crap gets loaded in. You don't, I don't, why do you need a description of that? Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a fantasy movie. That's how it works in, the, you know, the steerage compartment in Titanic. It's how any place of business works. You know, if you go behind the, uh, the uh, Disney World and go back to where the characters are, you know, taking off their helmets and resting all sweaty. Like we, we understand this. It's a it's a it's a well well trod concept. Yes, but then he goes into more detail about how they're prepping for this big event and all the people that are coming. And it says, uh, in appearance, the scene most resembled the ultimate moving day. <laughs> Only not everything was packed. Blah blah blah. And I just thought, do do people in Willow time have moving days? Like, sure. you know, you buy mutton and turkey legs for your friends and hope they'll show up when you, <laughs> you know, you get your new job in East Angwin or whatever. Right. When people are hey, like, guys, really appreciate this. I know we're a little too old for this, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, people are, people are like, God, we're 16. We're well past middle age in this world. We he can't, <laughs> he's got to be hiring movers for us at this age, man. Yeah. yeah just, it's like a farthing to get three guys to come over and move your crap why are right. we doing this i mean slaves slaves probably exist in yeah. this world so get some slaves right. and have them you know carry your mattress down the <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so yeah I, the ultimate moving day struck me as well because this is like the um a, a kitchen where they're sort of prepping for something that isn't moving um but we, we don't really get understand what they're doing because they uh, one of the workers says something like epoxy curse and then yeah. someone's like, so someone upbraids him for that. And so he's like, oh, okay, well, for mercy's sake. And the person says like, hey, hey, pal, words have meaning. Curses have power, especially when there are those present who might on a whim choose to indulge them. I beg you these next few days with all the 13 realms here present, be careful in what you say and what you think. Uh, so just, you know, more backstory, more... Um, Things happening that we are not filled in on um, to to further confuse us. I did not understand that at all. Um, <laughs> are it, is he kind of because which is the curse? Epoxy curse, and so he's starting to say that, and it's like uh, you know, it's sort of like if I guess if there's a a monkey's paw or a genie granting wishes that might actually uh, fulfill your your curses or whatever. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I didn't get that either, but I refuse to reread stuff at this point. <laughs> Fool me once, you know. Yeah. Um, so if you liked the description of the hillside, and if you loved the description of the loading dock, uh, well, here's here's an amazing one, because he threads his way, uh, Thorne does, uh, through one of the right-hand arches to find himself in a kitchen the likes of which he'd never seen. So I thought I would just wanted to challenge you. So what what might be in a kitchen um, that you would describe thusly as this was guys? You're not going to believe it. This kitchen was unlike anything I've ever seen. 
I would say um, that there would be uh, tables. Um, <laughs> there would be uh, pipes uh, bringing water to the hot and cold. There would be well, you're uh, just, hot just, You're describing. Pans. I mean, all I have this and all of these are in my kitchen. And frankly, in every kitchen I've ever been to. There'd be cutlery. Uh, there'd be p- people working on food. Uh, is that? But this kitchen is. I different was thinking, than like that. you know, uh, uh, a dolphin pool, or uh, you know, a uh, uh, some sort of uh, uh, like a ball pit from Chuck E. Cheese, something like that. But no, no, you've you've precisely described the kitchen. Oh, okay. Thorn has wandered into pipes ran down the walls from the ceiling to provide both hot and cold running water. Racks for pots and pans, others for cutlery, others still for the making of the feast. In one corner, a cow was being butchered, while another one, uh, children barely in their teens, were plucking all manner of fowl. And then beyond another portal was another chamber, impressive in its own right, devoted to nothing but the cleaning of all the implements. So... There you have it. That's just well. Hang on, you didn't get to the thing, a uh, kitchen which he had never seen before, uh, because there were two scullery lads uh, rushing. Most kitchens, I mean, what's you, you topping out at one scullery sure. lad? <laughs> yes, this yeah, one's I, just yeah, back to the it, rafters. Unless you're just lad. unless it's someone who's really doing it for show, you know, someone who's like hosting the uh, the office Christmas party, but they're like. They're sort of like just really rubbing it into everyone else that they can afford so to. Like performative scullery. Lines. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. they. <laughs> that one doesn't. I pay him to just sit there. That's how. <laughs> that's yeah. how unlike any kitchen you've ever seen, my kitchen is. <laughs> so yeah, we just uh, we get more of those descriptions, um, and uh, he is a uh, he, he gets into the the ultimate thing I think for fantasy authors is the uh, the the description of the actual feast itself. Mm-hmm. We've seen this in in everything, and I even posted a uh, I posted a meme this week that uh, you know I I, you know, I try to be funny online and stuff, and and nothing I have have ever written in the past six months traveled as well as this meme. It was just the the guy uh, looking back at a fantasy author looking back at uh, descriptions of a feast and ignoring moving the plot along. Um, so this was a uh, very George R. R. Martiny one handled soup, another fowl. Three varieties of meat, parentheses, domestic red meat, wild red meat, domestic white. Two of fish, parentheses, fin and shell. Salads and vegetables in abundance, plus all the attendant sauces and dressings and garnishes. The air was rich with heady scents of basil and coriander, pepper and hickory, cinnamon and chocolate. Again, it goes on for 150 more words. My God. Um, but this this is something while he's doing that, instead of, he focuses on that eventually, but he stops to watch this thorn. Thorne felt as though he was watching some tremendous human machines. There was a purpose to every action. Whether it was turning a haunch of meat on a rotisserie spit or checking off the raw ingredients for tonight's feast of welcome. <laughs> so he stopped to watch a man looking at a piece of paper and, and doing exactly that. Okay, we got the mutton. Uh, yeah, we got the chicken is on there. And he's just like, wonder of wonders. Hey, Frank, are you, seeing the, uh, are you seeing the domestic white meat over there? It's... My God, what kind of... It's like he's, uh, you know, being cleaned up by the people in Oz or something. <laughs> check a meat here, check a meat there. <laughs> oh, So, yeah, that's him, you know, going from being worried that he's going to be, you know, caught and thrown back into dungeon to uh, watching a guy, uh, you know, take stock of the dry goods. <laughs> Fantasy. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so... But eventually, we, we get to... Uh, the contrived moment becomes even more contrived than you could possibly hope uh, when he lays his uh, 
uh, eyes upon this person, which, by the way, hair description, okay. drink, an even more formidable woman, starched skirts, hardly wilted in the ferocious heat, sleeves properly buttoned. That's good. I don't like to see women with improperly buttoned <laughs> sleeves. Bo- bodice laced, hair wound into a crown as respectable as it was convenient. Oh, all right. So he I'm knew glad that her hair was convenient. For her. <laughs> I'm glad he also approves because Willow has proven and, and will prove to be, uh, you know, quite the uh, quite the critic of our. Yeah, of our... he's uh, he's got quite a discerning eye where the ladies are concerned. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is it. Is this the woman who uh, who um, gives him an assignment? Yeah, pinches his ear and does the uh, you know uh, Gandalf to the uh, to the hobbits, you Great. know, like. You know, but you you ruined my fireworks. Now it's time to do dishes, kind of a thing. <laughs> but so we thought that he uh, he was sort of donning a, a Harry Potter invisibility cloak. Um, but it appears that this cloak is more like a uh, uh, something like. Is there a thing of convenience? Is that is that a thing? Like uh, I don't know. But it's she says, hmm, reasonably dressed, reasonably clean. The cook noted, and Thorne wondered what vision his cloak was presenting to her. Ideally, what she most wanted most to see. And she says he'll do. And then so like I guess it just is a a cloak that is just like giving you uh, you know the what what is ever going to befit you the most in the situation, which I feel like I've heard of. I can't put my finger on it, but it's it's in some um, common uh, fantasy or sci-fi book because I've I've uh, it's it's one that I've read, so it's not too obscure. Well, but I thought earlier he said the description of it was that it was a passive charm or something, and and I took that to mean that the cloak is simply. It's kind of dark, and he's wearing a dark cloak. You know, he's got uh-huh. his, you know, he's got his uh, uh, camo on, is what I thought. But I guess it's it seems much more powerful projecting out what you expect yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, minor glamour. You were being, you were just being coy. You know, yeah. this is a major glamour. Well, and I mean, in my world, it's a minor glamour. Oh, right? all right. It's getting irritating. Everything you do is a minor glamour until it works wonders. And then we're all like, okay, when's he going to whip out the major glamour if this is what he considers a minor glamour? Um, which, by the way, those things stack up in this section to a point where there's no way you can keep the book in your hand and read what we read. It has got to be flying across the room <laughs> multiple times. Right. Camel case, uh, two words combined into one that aren't capitalized. It's a, uh, yeah, nothing is consistent and it's all maddening. It is infuriating. <laughs> uh, but so she spots him and they do, uh, I think it was, uh, this is slapstick routine 38 F, I think, um, where, uh, Someone is being like, hey, you get out of here. And then the woman says, he'll do. And they both like simultaneously like look at her, look at each other, then look at her and go, beg pardon? They say it together. Um, so they, they, they're they escalating the slapstick routine uh, that much more. And it's not yet peaked, believe it or not. Yeah, it was uh, the sitcom thing of where were you two just uh – we were at the ba- at the store. I mean, <laughs> we were at the bank that's also a store. And the- yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, it 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 goes from I think in the last chapter they had just like witnessed the like freed soul or like the purgatory soul of a woman who had been pushed down the stairs and cracked her head open. So yeah, it's 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 whiplashing once again. Um, but as always, kind of hard to tell when it's trying. Like maybe hard to tell for me because your your mood just isn't ready for the slapstick, and so you're just like, wait, what is happening? Because it's not. I mean, it certainly doesn't make you 
smile or even push a little air through your nose, does it? I mean, no, it's all it does is just call back the uh, the tone of the movie, which was this pretty much, you know, 70% of the time. Yeah. Um, so we also get hair description before he goes up for his uh, for his task. Well, why don't you describe what his, his task is? Uh, so he's been given a essentially like a room service cart that he's going to bring up to uh, the sacred princess, Alora Dannon, because um, I guess we're, we're, we get filled in on this later, but none of the staff, nobody who has ever met her before wants to deal with her. Right. And it's also apparently there's no... Um, you know, secret service at the castle. Like, right. wait, who are you sending into the room of the princess about who are inv- in- inviting thousands from the 13 kingdoms? Right. You're sending the guy who just walked into the thing. Okay. Right. A girl Sounds who, good. from her from her birth, uh, people were trying to kill to prevent some sort of prophecy from occurring. Right. But he, so there's, he gets ready for this and there's hair talk, so drink. He fished in his pouch for a comb, took a few swipes through his tangled russet hair (laughs) to restore some semblance of order, then quickly gathered it together behind his head in a thick plate. So Hmm. I I can't picture that, but (laughs) (laughs) hair aficionados, uh, there's a little something for you. Thick plate of willow hair. <laughs> yeah, but all, all is not good as he's uh, as he's uh, trucking this uh, this room service up to her. He he gets a uh, the first settled down we've had in a while. But uh, says Thorn was about to answer when he was slapped hard by a wave of bitter chill. Not the cold wind. Not the cold of wind and weather. Years walking the wild lands, plus the judicious application of his powers, had inured him to those extremes. This struck beyond the flesh, a breath of foulness to coat his soul in rhyme ice. <laughs> Set, settle down. He was just, you know, he was just doing double takes, and he's about to have a bowl of soup on his head. So right. <laughs> his soul is not coated in rhyme ice at the moment. Also, he... Uh... His powers had inured him to those extremes. Let's run him down. Which of the powers? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's Mage pretty much sight, a... insight, outside, <laughs> side swipe. Um, uh, I don't. So he's just applying these, and and then he's getting used to it from the fact that he's protecting himself. In other I think words, it's... I don't think if you wear a parka and go to out in the cold, you're necessarily being inured to the cold. No. You're, you're, I... you're not getting used to it. You're just I... warm. It's just like the power of uh, whatever leads him to be chopping wood, and, you know, that's not a name I've heard in a long time. It's that sort of just, you know, hardened to the elements type of thing. Right. So he rolls the uh, the cart up there. Um, the brownies are with him, cracking wise. And we get this <laughs> curious thing. Uh, she's got a water glass for the princess. He took a hearty swallow, passed it on to the brownies, then spoke aloud with what all three of them knew. So he passes a... A water glass. I mean, they're smaller than a water glass, right? Yeah, they could fit in. You know, one of them fell into a glass of beer in the movie. Yeah, and their knives, which they wield later, he. Just, I finally get a description of them. They're smaller than a, uh, the thorn of a rose. <laughs> so you know, just project that out to a human, and and you're handing him a big goblet of water. Yeah, you're putting your head into one of those like water towers you see out on the outskirts of a town. Yeah, I don't I don't even think an ant could pull that off, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they just uh, maybe they like just pick up the individual like they they don't break the surface tension on a ball of water so they can hold it and sort of lick it. Right. 
Uh, is this the same? Is this the, when he takes the sip? Is this the same? Uh, the same liquid? It says he returned his knife to its sheath, then cast propriety to the winds and poured a goblet of water from Alora's decanter. It was flavored with lemon, which managed to make it taste both tart and sweet. Which I assume they put in a uh, as a as a refresher for anyone who hasn't had a lemon in a recent time, just to. <laughs> <laughs> well, those notoriously sweet lemons he's getting. I don't know. Hey, I just did uh, the Miracle Berry, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, and uh, uh, a friend of mine who who did it with me, we uh, we were at a like a, a brew pub, and so he snuck in all the accoutrements. Like I just had a bag full of sliced limes and lemons. And uh, it didn't work as well on him, but the limes and lemons, he was gobbling them up going, oh, this yeah. is the most delicious thing I've it's ever It's incredible. Tasted. Yeah, it's like sour candy. And that's what this put me in mind of, yeah. <laughs> Sweet and tart, yeah. So he, he probably popped a Miracle Berry, just forgot to do that. He has that power to turn on Miracle Berry on his tongue at any time. Yeah, he has a, it's, you know, camel-cased Miracle Berry, all one word. Yeah. Mere bear pow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, all yeah, right, so, so he brings it in there, but he's uh, before that he's worried about uh, the night but, herons. Yeah, that was what sort of made the, the that was what the breath of foulness to coat his soul in rhyme ice was caused by. Right, right. But I didn't even understand where they were, what they were doing. Like, how is he? He's just sensing them, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess that was just sort of the the shudder, and he goes on to encounter them. Um, later in the chapter, but I guess they just are going up in an elevator, which exists in the Willowverse, and then all of a sudden they just get a, a whiff of them, I guess. Hmm. Uh, okay. a, a visceral whiff. The uh, the later encounter with the night herons, by the way, only further confused me. I don't... I, oh, it's extremely... I didn't understand it anymore once he actually met one, so I, yeah. I don't know. It's but been... we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they uh, they they go up to uh, they're about to enter the room, I think, and 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 Frangine is is quipping as is his want, um, but uh, Thorn gets a uh, Thorn sort of briefly loses it, but he says she's not thirteen yet. Frangine, Thorn snapped, and considering what happened to her first home, it's not as if she had much choice in the matter. Or he couldn't help adding. With a sudden bitter, wholly unexpected rage that shook him to his core friends to stand by her during those awful times so you'd read that and that was that that was a that was a settled the hell down moment for me because they were just doing yeah like you said uh road to the road to the whatever bing and crosby slapstick and now he's being shook with an unexpected rage that shakes him to his core like settle down it's sh- shooken you up so much that uh, you referred to the legendary comedy team as Bing and Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I looking, I'm looking right at the uh, the framed one sheet I keep on my wall. I, you know, I, <laughs> yes. I watch those with my my parents all the time, so you can understand. You used to, it, uh, it... <laughs> you used to drive to uh, Glendale to go to the uh, restaurant where the 97 year old Bob Hope would go to eat lunch, just to hope just to get to a glimpse him. of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I, it is bing crosby right that's uh, bing crosby and bob hope yes mm, all right not, not bing and crosby <laughs> damn it there's uh, <laughs> now this is uh, it's gonna be a thing now people are gonna be like saying that to me six months from now it's uh it's bing ogden and <laughs> crap <laughs> Sorry. Um, right. uh, so yeah night herons um yeah, uh, he he mentions it himself. This litany he's talking about all the things they've met: death dogs, mazen, 
night herons. Uh, my phone is going in the background. Ignore that. Okay. It's it's. I'm getting uh, robocalls from. Uh, I'm getting so many robocalls. Is that happening to people out there? It's yeah. uh, is it the Christmas season or something? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, death you will dogs be robocalled from- tonight by three spirits. <laughs> yes. Mason Night Herons. He found to his surprise that he didn't include the reputed demon of the dungeon. Uh, so those are all just the caps things that he's doing, and that uh, you know that's yeah. just so irritating. Yeah, I, I thought that this sentence. If we had been if we had been shown this sentence before we picked this book, how quickly would we have said absolutely not? Herons were for the air. What death dogs were on foot? It's like oh <laughs> god. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, I don't know whether he was thinking of merchandising and maybe Lucas was just like, Hey, the more, the better. Yeah. I think um, we can turn anything into a, you know, into merch. So just, I was like, aren't death dogs enough? We're terrified of those. Like, no, no, no. Stack them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this was just like, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll toss, uh, we'll toss the same rugs we put on the, the, uh, you know, Australian Shepherds, as we did in Willow, we'll just toss that on a parrot, and that'll be a, a night heron for this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we got a good description of them. We we got a good description, sort of, of what the night herons are all about. And th- at, le- at least this one, I could understand. It was it was dumb enough that I could understand it. Hounds serve because they were born to the role. Herons because they chose it. It amused them. When they killed, it was as much for pleasure as need. And while they consumed the flesh of their victims, often while the prey still lived, it was the sheer terror of those moments, the agony both physical and emotional, that gave them true sustenance. So uh, it's they essentially are just like feeding off of suffering, which again is not a, a new concept. But so I, I, I was reading this and I was like, so what if they were like going to be eating a guy who was sort of down with it? You know, like, what if they were, mm. like, you know... And so, what sprung to mind, of course, was that German guy from, like, a decade ago who put an ad on Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah, um, I used to have his name memorized, but it's escaped me now. <laughs> it's something my wife told me I shouldn't use brain space to Yeah, it's a good idea. Head. So, yeah, I was like, what if, you know... Uh, I, I sort of lapsed into an 80s, uh, 80s uh, stand-up comedian. I was like, what if... Hear me out on this. What if... The night herons were uh, were eating the German Craigslist cannibal from the uh, early aughts, and believe it or not, not the first person to wonder about this. Really? Yeah. No, I I, I checked it out. Um, it's one of those things where you get like two Google results, but one of them was for a uh, a dark web reenactor who had wondered this exact thing. No. Yeah. Um, they were out there. I mean, you know, the dark web's a weird spot. If you want to find someone to eat you or to be eaten. This is, that's probably where you'd go to do it. So it's not surprising that there's sort of, uh, you know, interpretive uh, German Craigslist cannibal fanfic on the dark web. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I wondered, though, after you had, you know, given the, the premise and the style of the 80s comedian, did you turn away from the audience, run a comb through your hair, and then... <laughs> I yeah. think it would go a little something <laughs> like this. Yeah, I combed my hair into a into what was it? An attack? Yeah. Back into a into a plate, uh, a tidy plate, a, plate. Um, a yeah. thick plate. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, the if you if you ever wondered about that, I think it might go a little something like this. And this is where our evening takes a turn. For I'm afraid when I invited you over for dinner, it will be you for the main course. <laughs> Oh, nine, whatever shall I do? I think I'll start by nibbling on your toe. This little piggy was delicious. 
Oh, Hock Tung, my favorite piggy. Mm, didn't really fill me up, but there wasn't too much meat on that toe. I'm sure your thighs will prove much more delectable. How is it tasting, Frau Heron? You know what? I have eaten a lot of your flesh here, but I'm not feeling sated at all. Say, you're terrified, right? In agony, both physical and emotional? Oh, yeah, yeah, such agony. So scared of the big bad night, Heron. Well, now I'm starting to pick up on some sarcasm here. Oh, wow. Didn't you access the inside to pick up on that? What the hell, man? I'm consuming your flesh while you're still alive, but I'm not getting any sustenance from it. Well, certainly do not feed me tender morsel of mine own body. There is nothing I fear more. Is that so? Well, why don't you eat your right nipple? No, no, no. Oh, 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 yeah. Mm. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, that's good. Mm. Oh, man, are they that tasty? Mm, delectable. Yeah, damn it, there's only one left. Mm. Damn it, I know this should taste good, but it's just like ashes in my mouth. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, come on, it wasn't that big. You can't still be eat. Wait a second. Is this giving you a sexual thrill? Oh, you you honestly hadn't noticed? I mean, it's it's right there. I uh, stick it oh, up and... Well, well, we're gonna we're gonna have to get rid of that. Eh, anything? I'm so happy. Oh, damn it. But it might scar me if you fry it up in the white wine and garlic pan sauce. Okay, but you'd better not get a sexual thrill from this. (laughs) How would you be able to tell? All right, stop where you are, police. Hey, uh, this guy was consenting the whole time. Uh, No, 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 we're just here to put an end to this sketch. We're terrified where it will go, and frankly, it's based on a pretty obscure reference. Can I still eat it, my non vine? I said we're pulling the plug. Oh yeah, there you have it. That's what uh, that's what a night heron trying to eat the uh, German car- cannibal Arwin Maywis. I think that's his name. That's what that would have sounded like. Right, right. I'm, I was surprised to learn that that wasn't Norm Macdonald doing that. He's oh, very <laughs> fond of uh, uh, who was the uh, the serial killer who wrote notes from prison. I think he's done that gag about a million times of <laughs> describing his horrible acts of uh, fiendish, grotesque, awful. I mean, this guy is a real jerk, is the punchline. <laughs> Surprise it wasn't him. It seemed right. like that would be a fascination of his. Absolutely, yeah. It's too bad he wasn't around for update to do that. But uh, yeah, I, I actually thought that was the guy he used to talk about when I was when I was looking the German cannibal up. Um. So, all right, continuing on with this crap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the uh, the sort of just uh, gets off the elevator and uh, he's he's delivering the room service to her, but it says the lift stopped, a door was opened, the view was intended to take the breath away. He'd seen better. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, Thorne is just sort of you know all about the nagging, um, just like the, uh, the the Princess of the Thunder Riders. Yeah, but he's uh, he's impressed by regular old kitchens. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> this uh, nothing for him. 
Yeah, really. Hey, all right, man. Like maybe we've seen better hairs comb back into plates. Like, well, all right. Like you're not, you're not, a, you're, not you're you're no prize yourself. So uh, yeah, we get a uh, we get a description of Alora uh, uh, here, and and there's one to follow too. And I just wonder if the 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 baby who now grown up and reads that description is like, hey man, is that, <laughs> is that what you are, are you thinking of me as you're right. extending the fiction here? Uh, she smelled like a baby, mostly sour milk. Uh, he describes her, and uh, anyway, she she immediately screams at them. She sneers, and you call this a decent meal, and she throws the food at them. Yes, that's how and, the chapter and so ends. So that's that's chapter end, and I, I'm like, all right, finally, this chapter comes <laughs> to an end. Let's read on to chapter five, where they're obviously they've. They're not in the, or we jump to some other scene, and uh, we get some new exciting storyline. Yeah, they're going. having walnuts and brandy to be like that was a funny misunderstanding. Willow, it's so great to see you. Yes, I'm sure glad you cast that spell and got us out of there before the bowl hit us in the skull. No, no. <laughs> chapter five begins a very very long chapter. The very ne- there's no reason to have a chapter. Oh yeah, whatsoever. considering what he did, uh, like not put chapters in for like you know traveling across countrysides or all that nonsense. But yeah, this one just is sort of a, a convenient breakup before Wacky Town continues. Yeah, so should we march on to chapter five then? Uh, well, I think first we should do some fanfic. Well, my my talents are uh, you know they're they're going down. I I threw a pretty good uh, what is it a calming throw the first time, but uh, <laughs> this uh, last passive uh, charm that I did uh, did not work out well. I got just over sixty percent or. No, oh, just man. about sixty percent. So yeah, you need you need to ca- cast the uh, you know discernment of text charm or some <laughs> garbage. I don't know. Uh, I think that the guy who sings that song is coming to Burlington in a couple months. I'm going to go to the oh, concert wow. and just yell, "Do the realer fanfic song." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you guys know the drill. These are going to be five uh, either passages from later in Shadow Moon, actual text written by Klukas, or they're going to be fanfic submitted by you, the loyal listeners. And Mike's going to try to guess which are which. I'm all uh, set. Let's go. Number one. Hands, not hands, slipped again, and Thorn hesitated, torn between two demands of equal weight. Alora's danger on the one hand, the demon's child on the other. The doors begin to open. He knows as certainly as he knows anything that Alora is doomed if she steps inside that chamber. He knew as well that the demon's child was doomed if he didn't act at once to complete the spell of resurrection. Silence within the hall, a greater silence on the streets without, as the entire populace seems to hold its collective breath. Mm. Well, that one is on point. Nothing uh, nothing out of place. Uh, it is though that person ran a comb through their plate and got it all. Uh, I, but I, I still, I sense that it's fanfic because it's, it's on point. But, you know, that's an absurd thing to say, but there it is. I'm gonna say. <laughs> okay. All right. Number two. My wife needs you, wizard, he said in a flat-toned demand that allowed for but a single outcome. Thorn didn't respond quickly enough to suit the mate, so Shando scooped him up by the harness and deposited him by the, beside the locker where Morag lay. 
The Nelwyn collapsed where he was dropped, which brought Shando a glare of preternatural rage from Corey, so intense it made the man back off a step and once more take his post at the wheel. We're a pair, Peck, the shipmaster offered with wry humor in a voice as deathly as her appearance. We really must stop meeting like this, was his retort. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like how the name's being shoveled at you. Um, <laughs> Shando, Morag, Corey, yeah, K-H-O-R-Y. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that that's real. Okay. Number three. Thorn nodded, extended his hands. Close your eyes, he told the Pathfinder, and touched both lids with fore and middle fingers, casting a spark of power across the way to his companion. Mage sight, he told the Garen, which they moved apart again. Better vision than a cat in anything less than absolute dark, more suitable than a torch. I'll offer the same to the rest, so we'll each be on equal footing. Damn, Garen responded in wonderment. Damn! When this fades, it's... it. It's be like going mostly blind. I'm sorry for that because it will fade. The charge is temporary, and there's a limit to how often I can re-energize it. The body has a finite capacity. It can only be taxed so hard before it begins to break down. Hmm. I think that's fanfic. But again, throwing a dart. Number four. Rule? Thorn called out, only to see him prone on the ground below. So he rushed to his side. Summoning all the energies within him and surrounding him, Thorn used his magic more purposely and intensely than he ever did before, for it would make no sense that his dear companion would fall from the most clumsy and careless of accidents. Yet he felt nothing, sensed nothing, from the being laid in front of him. Using his insight, Thorn saw waves of his own energy being directed towards naught but a void. He had used this power countless times to heal beings ten, a hundred times bigger than a mere brownie, and there was always something, some response. But this tiny body that had been his partner and friend for countless adventures accepted nothing and gave nothing in return. Thorn fell to his knees, too tired to even weep. Mm, the, uh, the weariness uh, and also dangling in front of me the hope that one of the brownies dies. <laughs> so I'm going to say it's fanfic. Someone trying to get me to bite on something I very much want to happen. All right. Uh, coming up, the uh, final one, number five. It had all led up to this. Thorn mulled over Alora Dannon's words, what she had said about why he had failed to hold the bridge. It had no soul, Willow. That's what you reach, what you touch. It's how you pulled me back. It was also how he had helped the mayor, the forest spirit, even the demon's daughter. Souls. But did this pit of magma have a soul? The demon said yes. The mountains, kin to this and from so seemingly long ago, said yes in their way, their witch lights burning a piercing magenta. With a deep breath, Willow, taking his true name once more, reached out with his insight into the heart of the fires below and was transformed. <laughs> oh it's good i i'm gonna say it's real yeah. uh, how did i do oh not so great not so oh, great no, not so, uh so we had uh we had number one number one was uh uh geez what was even in there Heartbeat, Shipmaster, uh, Silence Within the Hall, Spell of Resurrection, Demon's Child Doomed. You said fanfic, it was real. God. The very first one. The uh, second one, that was a uh, that was with Morag and Shando and Corey. Uh, <laughs> you said real, that was real. 
Okay. Listener Steve sent us in that one. I guess we're going to meet Corey, K-H-O-R-Y. We're going to meet Shando. Uh, I just get tired thinking about it. Uh, Shando is, uh, you know, does a juggling act at the, <laughs> yeah. an open stage or something. I'm looking. I'm looking. Maybe, maybe the demon's child is Shando. That would be. That would delight me. <laughs> um, number three. Uh, this was uh, the Pathfinder. He's sharing his mage site with Garen, but can only do it for X amount of time. He can't re-energize it. You said fanfic. That one was real. God. There are rules to his insight. I guess we're going to learn something about that soon as well, though. Uh, number four, number four was, uh, the brownie dying. You talked that one through, you said fanfic. That one is fanfic. That one was written, written by Harris. I thought that one, I don't know. I thought there was a chance for that one. Um, and then number five, this was, uh, Alora Dannon, the pit of magma with a soul taking his name once more being transformed. You thought that was real. That was fanfic written by Patrick. Mm. So nicely done. Mm. Um, so yeah, complete failure this time. Yeah. Two out of five. Correct. Ugh. But but like I mean, what are you supposed to take away? It's all <laughs> it's all the same garbage. Like it's all just like a, a mishmash of tropes and words. So I you know uh, we got to turn one of these on you. Can we? Sure. Yeah. Do it next time. That's Let's fine. do it next time. Okay. Uh, the other there are two people who wrote in humor ones that I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will read just a sentence or two from them. The Cyclops stopped his advance through the ravaged market and trained his eye on them. For a moment, it appeared Thorn had reached him, but the moment was fleeting. The rage returned so intense and all-consuming that it threw Thorn to the ground. The Cyclops raised his club and bellowed, Who is the Sheriff's of Silver Square? <laughs> that, was by Mike. Nice. that was by Mike T. And then we had one more. His mind flashed to the deceiver, still in pursuit. Was this a trap? He had muttered the last part aloud in his confusion, when suddenly a roundish daikini, face with thick black voluminous hair and beard, poked around the edge of the ward. Damn it, boy, he said. It's pronounced tarp. <laughs> and that was that was by uh, Patrick, those, who wrote the uh, the fifth one that confused you. Oh, uh, those those work so well. Bringing <laughs> those, old, those old tropes. Those old friends. Yes. Oh, All right. They're like warm. It's like uh, seeing an old friend indeed, isn't yeah. it? It is, yeah. Um, but thank you to everyone who sent those in. Send them in next time to try to fool me. Thank you, as always, to the Patreon folks at patreon.com slash 372 pages. We're ticking up close to 500 supporters, so we got to think of something uh, to either, you know, special to do when that hits or something to entice uh, those those final 30 or so supporters. Some big uh, big event. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chapter five, we left, uh, you know, Hope and Crosby behind, and we are on to uh, Laurel and Hardy 10-minute pie fight. Oh, my God. Boy, oh, oh my God. Yep. So enough of these uh, souls covered with rhyme or whatever the (laughs) hell was going on. Now we're getting, uh, you know, uh, Oliver Hardy scooping the cream from the hollows of his eyes and, you know, throwing it onto the ground and then staring at the camera for 30 seconds. Yeah, just Uh, 100% the the dumbest uh, elementary school food fight that you've ever seen uh, being presented to us here. uh, It opens with a line that, once again, I would like to see inserted into every classic book. Fortunately, the plate only held cold meat, so there wasn't much of a mess. <laughs> yeah, that would really that would work great in Slaughterhouse Five, maybe, or uh, Beloved. Yeah, I, I'd always heard um, watching growing up and watching British comedies, especially probably thinking of uh, Faulty Towers. People would order cold meat salads. <laughs> oh my god! And so, and and it wasn't until I was in my thirties I went to Ireland, and most places had. 
they have pretty standard menus everywhere and cold meat salad was on it. Wow. So I ordered one once and it was a sizable plate of, you know, decent cold cuts. But in the middle of it was a, I, I'm not kidding you, three quarters of a cup of mayonnaise. Uh. And that was, that's what made it a salad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I thought of about the uh, cold meats. Uh, not much of a mess. I was like, what about the three quarter cup of mayonnaise? That's got to be doing some damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's got to be, uh, you know, it, it hits Stan Laurel in the face, you know, like, hey, I ordered the salad. The mayonnaise hits him, you know, a beat after. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, but uh, so when he does get hit, I have a question for you, okay. uh, Connor. After the food was thrown, was he decorated with a fair size helping of mustard? Of course he was, you <laughs> idiot. Of course. That's how the sentence begins. Of course, by then he was decorated with a fair size helping of mustard. Of course. Of course. Of course. God, don't be a. Ah, you yeah, infuriate right. me. <laughs> what are you, are you still hung up on your soul being coated in rhyme? Get when get in the game. <laughs> Food fight with a thirteen year old. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's all sorts of weird things about this. This is this was a good one. He slapped aside some relish, wincing at the crash of crystal on stone. Part of an artisan's life and soul had gone into the creation of that vessel. It deserved a better fate. So he's taking the time to to slap aside relish and to dodge cold meats to mourn for the poor artisan who was crafting this thing that this girl is heartlessly tossing around. He's uh, he's prefacing uh, the Marie Kondo thing where you thank your shirts and stuff uh, <laughs> as you fold them up. He's like thinking about every object. Thank you, relish jar. Yes. <laughs> Um, we've got a fr- rule and frangine are out of the corner of each eye, gleefully heaving goo back the way it came. So you've just gone, uh, gone all the way from recognizable foodstuffs to just random goo they're throwing around. And they're doing it gleefully. Uh, you know, any minute they could have their legs devoured by a heron who's laughing <laughs> at them. But hey, right. for now, right. enjoy this. Uh, I have another sound challenge for you. Oh, please. He uttered a goose-like squawk as first feet went flying and then the rest of him depositing him with a thump right beside the cart. So if you could just ADR that, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Was it? Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Seems, seems, yeah. All right, cut and and print. Michael Winslow, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This was also good just to, uh, you get a... He's he's mourning the uh, the the destruction of a man's life work, and then uh, a few sentences later, Alora responded by upending a silver tureen of cold soup over his head. He had a moment to appreciate the taste, which was delicious, before she dropped the bowl itself on top of him. So he is he's doing that's exactly what you described. He's just like you know doing the uh, the cartoon where your your tongue comes out and and licks all the uh, all the uh, soup off your face to clean it before uh, before right. she like hammers down the bowl. Uh, but right after this, we finally, we get a, uh, a very uh, accurate description of what insight allows. Okay. And it allows you to see through a bowl of soup <laughs> because she thought him blinded by both soup and bowl, which she's taking the time to make that distinction after yes. throwing it at his head, I guess, <laughs> unaware that his insight gave him a painfully perfect view of the scene as she took hold of more things to throw at him. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's what insight is. It sees yeah. through both soup and bowl. Yeah, but we're left to wonder uh, if insight would have been able to see through a hot soup 
because um, mm. it was specified this was cold. So it is not canon that Insight so can see through hot yes. soups. Yeah. Uh, uh, before- can I ask, though, what soup remains when you have had a bowl of soup thrown at you? <laughs> and it is, it went on his head, right? Yeah, it, the gravity traditionally uh, removes it from the bowl very quickly. <laughs> okay, well, I guess the... Uh, I guess there would be a thin surface of soup on the bowl, so sure. te- technically he is looking through soup. <laughs> Blinded through it. Uh, yeah, but in that, the sentence right before that, it says, he wasn't without resources himself as his questing hands, drink, came up with a tall carafe of sparkling water. And so as he uses his insight, you might have forgotten the sparkling water, but he is, I mean, there's nothing more more slapstick than this. He shakes up the sparkling water and just like seltzer sprays it at her and into her open mouth. So a mm-hmm. pure, you know, they, uh, I don't know when those were in vogue, but it is the, uh, the clowns with seltzer running around. Uh, and then it gets even more comic. She made glug noises, <laughs> the same as if he dunked her underwater, then hit the flagstones herself as Frangine pulled on one ankle while Rule pushed on the other. Oh, wow. So they're doing the, uh, like, kneel behind you and the other one pushes you over trick from the playground? Mm-hmm. I've never understood uh, how that was that was sort of that was in that was fair play, you know. If you just walk up to someone and shove them over, it's like you just assaulted me. You're going to get suspended. But if you right. if someone else kneels behind them and makes it even more of a fall, it's like, "Oh, you got me." Right. Um this one puzzled puzzled me. After the food battle, he says this. He didn't want to consider what needed plucking from his hair. Well, I mean, you were part of the bet. What are you? What are you saying? Like, what, what is going to be there that you don't know about? Yeah, okay. right. You were. You were just. This is seconds after the food fight has ended. Yeah, I hope. I hope there wasn't any dog feces on that card because right. that would certainly on that that I hauled up here. That would be awkward to uh, plug. I don't out even want to consider it. <laughs> I also like this. So he ends up running from her and hides in an alcove. I guess I don't. I, I think while she's distracted by the seltzer, then it says he started. To access Insight for a look at Alora's situation, but the brownie's words erased the need. So Insight is something he needs to access. So he has to be just like you know, I don't I'm know. in. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so there was a. It's it's mysterious because it, it, later on he appears to do it. Uh, you know, at will and instantaneously. So I'm not sure what the access is all about. Maybe it's, I, I, I'm picturing you know like Night Rider or something like you know Kit. Uh, give me my Insight now. Right. <laughs> of course, master. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, this is where things started to get confusing. For, for what it's worth, I followed the food fight. It's sure. absurd and stupid. But for the first time, I was like, all right, he's writing a, you know, somewhat coherently. I'm not having to imagine him spitting on rocks and singing to mountains or whatever. <laughs> this is he's just chucking stuff at a, at a kid. Yeah. So uh, I at least followed that. But then it quickly goes downhill from there. Absolutely. It gets I, very I don't confusing. understand what happens. Um, um, oh, but before before we get to that, though. Yeah. Um, so they get chased from the prince, and, and then Rule presents a sandwich. Yes. <laughs> so the battle is over, and uh, Rule had used the silver slip ring to hold it closed. Inside was a very sloppy sandwich. Mismatched slices of bread around a half dozen varieties of meat plus some cheese and tomato and lettuce. And uh, here's a challenge to you from that. Name a half dozen varieties of meat. <laughs> uh, Just right sal- off the bat. Salami, bologna, uh, capricola, speck. Uh, uh, <laughs> speck is your serrano <laughs> and, uh, and pepperoni. Okay, that's, and, that's pretty well done. But yeah, yeah, so in the middle of the battle, 
Rule <laughs> is making a six meat sandwich. Yeah, so that's I guess sloppy. That's, yeah, and then they and Thorne objects to this. He says he Thorne says Rule says a tad messy, but that's only dirt. No, I didn't want to warrant any proper body harm. And and Thorne says, "What? You just grabbed whatever was at hand off the floor." So they've he's been wandering the wilderness for twelve you know years, presumably eating like grubs and uh, right. tapping into cactus for moisture. But now he's all of a sudden can't abide the five second rule. And he he takes a slice and he saves the rest. Rest. He returned all but a quarter to the napkin and then slipped it into his traveling pouch. And says, likely to be hungry later. We all might. Uh, So is this pouch, like, stuffed with sloppy, dripping sandwiches? Yeah. That he's saving for later? Yeah, it's just like my my college fridge where it's like, where are these? How long have these leftovers been in here? Like, you know, I guess we were told that you can put whatever you wanted in that bag and it would be accessible. But it didn't have any sort of, like, uh, description of its, like, preservative properties. No, you know? and and he, and he specifically says he'd done it. He'd done this many times before, so he's like one of those you know recyclable bags to uh, the Whole Foods thing, where eventually they get kind of stinky on the bottom and everything. Um, uh, well, but, yeah. But so then she a... goes full Van Halen and starts smashing up the the plates and crystals, breaking them into powder. It says and shrieking all the while at the top of her lungs. Yeah, he calls her a harridan. Yeah. um yeah so she i think is just like so fed up with everything she doesn't know where he goes but i think this is meant to convey that this is like sort of normal behavior for her and uh it also provides willow sort of with an excuse to be off in the distance sizing her up to uh to to start uh you know critiquing uh the 13 year old girl's looks (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is again where the actress is reading it going oh thanks thanks man right yeah give give it give us the physical rundown he says, unfortunately, at this point, she was plump. She'd, <laughs> she'd lost none of her baby fat and put on more besides round face, bulging torso, as lacking of physical grace as she was in spirit. Hers was a face more used to sobs than smiles. From hurts, thorns suspected were generally more imagined than real. Her eyes were all closed and squinty like a pig's. <laughs> So yeah, this is the uh, he's gone. Uh, he's, he's soured on his goddaughter pretty quickly. He looked around and immediately saw ten hotter kids. <laughs> I like that he says that uh, he just immediately sizes up that she's all squinty and sobby from things she's imagining instead of from actual. You know, you know, she's like, you know, nothing of my life. Yeah, uh, and she's uh, layer of upon layer of clothes each wrapped and tied and buckled into place until the child could hardly move <laughs> and yet can engage in some pretty uh, pretty fine food fights. Yeah, dumping bowls and whipping cold meats. Like, I mean, and smashing uh, ceramics to powder. That, that, takes some, uh, yeah. that takes some movement. It's like Harrison Bergeron. You don't want to see what she's capable of when they take off these blinders. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, my God. Yeah, I wondered after that description whether... Uh, you know, Pappy read a first draft and said, uh, you know, consider having her uh, teeth smeared with lipstick. And uh, I think you'll uh, really paint a picture there. I like where you're going with it, but uh, make her drunk, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. People don't, uh, people, no one but him really comes across well here. So you got to respect it. Yeah. Uh, so after the fight, this is where I start to get, uh, I start to get kind of confused. Yeah. Very confusing. Um, 
yeah, get to this. That there's the confusing part, but I just want to address this one base thing. They says, uh, someone says, you know, I respect the Daikini and fear them. He says, no, they have no power, not no power worth their name. Not as the term is understood in the realms beyond. Among the Vale folk are beings of air and earth, fire and water, who can bend those elements to their will. So, I, 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 is there a is there a really crappy movie lurking within this really crappy movie uh, book of uh, of airbenders? Mm, yeah, bending them. Yeah, I missed the <laughs> bending part. I was just uh, enraged by the flurry of uppercase. Yep, Vale folk, air and earth, fire and water, realms beyond. Yeah, Ugh, and then it's that. Then it says, elves, fairies, goblins, a whole panoply of creatures, the least of whom is a match and more for any human. The face of this globe could be cleansed of Daikini in a single night span, and don't think we haven't heard it proposed. So I was just wondering if there was like an elf Hitler out there that was just like, <laughs> you know, trying to have some sort of Daikini final solution or something. Oh, good heavens. I would read that book, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, so... Two questions. Who's Bav Morda? Bav Morda was the evil queen in the movie, who is oh. not... I guess she died in the movie, so... Well, he just brings her up in this? Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Familiar names. They've got to ground it. They've got to make people remember they're still reading a Willow book. Uh, uh, right after you mentioned the, the Vale folk um, who can do all that, it says, it does no good to transform your foes into an army of pigs. <laughs> and I was just thinking, uh, you know, we just had a pig described there. So maybe is, is he hinting at the fact that she's been transformed into one? Oh, wow. Yeah. She does have a, uh, the, the pig-like eyes. Uh, but then the disappearing wall. Okay. Yeah. What, what is happening? Yeah. The wall turned to gaseous muck. I'm not familiar with gaseous muck, but um, nothing to support him. And he felt himself teeter on the brink of some impossible abyss. A maw gaped. A dual sense of implacable resolve and a hunger that nothing could sate. Uh, what? What's? What is this? What's happening? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he should have eaten more of the uh, floor sandwich if he was that hungry. <laughs> he he pitches sideways. He's sprawling he, full length. He claws his way up his own legs. He's terrified the floor would begin to crumble after the wall, and he would lose what little purchase and hope remained. And then it he, sort of stops. Yeah. <laughs> and she runs up, and she hits him. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, what was that? I don't know. I really, I, I just, I, I get further confused later when he he goes back to the to the uh, dungeon stuff. But like, I there's a lot of things I don't understand, and this is where it all begins. So it's like a brief hallucination. It seems I don't know if it's brought on by the night herons or what. But uh, it was. It's it, they they he made the. the the brownies screamed too, so they're seeing it. Uh, I don't know what we're supposed to take away. That's a very irritating habit of his. It's just like <laughs> we're in a completely different area. It's foreshadowing something. There's no reason to do it. Uh, anyway, yeah. we're quickly back on familiar ground because she comes out and he describes how she's covered in all of the things that we already knew were there. <laughs> um, but I was very disappointed that once again, he didn't do... He's talking about egg and potato and custard and mustard and ketchup and just didn't do the uh, Star Trek thing of familiar terms oh. and then, you know, mustard, ketchup and 
the Dakini fermented relish blaka. You know, <laughs> right. It was all just, it was like you went to your own refrigerator and covered yourself with stuff. That's what she was. Yeah, exactly. The 4th of July cookout. It just, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I also like this description of her. It says, you know, she says, filthy little wretch. Her voice was rough, ill served by years of tantrums. Thickened more by partially blocked airways. You did that on purpose. So I guess she's not only does she resemble a pig, she also sounds like Nick Nolte. <laughs> <laughs> Rough and blocked. Why does yeah. she have partially blocked airways? I don't know. If it's she's just got cold COPD meat. She's been horking from, down. Like yeah, she's been smoking for a lot of years. And <laughs> oh boy, I, I tell you, partner. <laughs> uh, but then we get this. We get this reassuring thing. So you know, she is his goddaughter. So it is nice to see that he he still he still vaguely approves. It says through the pouts and the plump. He still saw the child of memory for whom he'd risked everything. So there's still a there's still a colonel there, you know. Get her uh get her off to fat camp or something and, and, and Willow still might take her under his wing and, you know, pay for sort of her college education or something. Right. Yeah. Uh but she grabs him and calls for the, the captain of the guard, right? And uh and this is where uh and she's digging her, her pinching pig fingers into his arm <laughs> and the uh, the brownies attack. Yep, and this is where we get that description. Brownie daggers weren't much longer than rose thorns, but they were much much sharper. And so he's trying to. So they're stabbing her. They stab her in like the butt, don't they? Or yeah, and then the yeah. heel. Yeah. Uh, I mean, take a rose thorn, only much sharper, and plunge it into your own heel and your <laughs> ass. I mean, this is this is rough stuff. This is yeah. not. And they're trying yeah. to make it in this. It's supposed to be very funny. Like they're nothing. They're just yeah. nothing. It's supposed to be like you're flicking someone's earlobe or like you know a mischievous, like a, a pesky fly or something. Yeah, but a very very sharp <laughs> plunged into your heel is my god. That's got to be just agony. Fortunately, the the revolting scamps pig flesh, you know, was able to endure the the jabs. You know, the the yes. blubber was her hide was toughened. By, by years of wallowing in pits of disgust. <laughs> yeah. She also loved uh, LOL surprise dolls. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so they, they stab her a, b- a bunch, and then Wizard is... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, we get for the first time uh, another sense of his magic's limitations. He says he considered an enchantment to put her to sleep and cast the events of the past few minutes into a, the semblance of a dream, but suspected it wouldn't hold on her. That was one of her gifts. Lesser spells rolled off her like water off a duck. So, for like, for the first time, a wizard didn't do it. He's unable to uh, to use his magic. <laughs> and he just sort of suspects this, I guess. Yeah. I, but he has so many spells. Can't he just run through them and see, you know, yeah. some of the others? I, I mean, know. he brings people back to life with regularity. <laughs> yeah, and truly you know, godlike. He can also break a man's back with his bare hands. So I'm not sure, really sure, like, why... Uh, uh, you know, a, a tray of cold cuts tossed like ninja stars is really going to deter him. And why didn't they just take on the captain of the guard with the knives stabbing into his heel? And, you know, he'd be like, <laughs> I don't have pig flesh. My God, it's awful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm toned and this hurts even more. It's just ripping my muscles to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they uh, uh, back to uh, back to Bing and Crosby, that famous comedy. Team, they, they begin running. They begin running through the, the castle. Uh, an escape, right? I assume you know, tipping over chairs behind them so that the mm-hmm. guards uh, 
you know, can't follow them or whatever. Yeah, they're probably this close to uh, pulling some guards into a uh, equipment closet and emerging wearing their their uniform. I'm, right. I, I still think there's a chance that might happen. <laughs> uh, but then, I this is where I'm losing it. They they run and they see the the thing the the night heron yeah they they escape to some sort of garden or something very confusing um and they see a night heron but then they they see like Alora meeting up with the night heron right like it's her pet yeah and so so it's it's described thusly she smiled a greeting of delight and it butted its head against her like a favored companion it made a noise that to him was worse than claws scratching down a window pane but that left her laughing then both looked towards his hiding place. One raised, one hand raised to point. Two mouths opened. Two throats uttered an unearthly wail. So she's like, you know, in league with this thing, or if this is some sort of, uh, you know, succubus version of her that's hanging out with these night herons. But he, his, he does what we'd all do. He flees back to the dungeon he had just escaped. God right? Like this is yes. all I. That's all I could pick up. I, I don't understand. It's a big castle, big town. There's all sorts of places he could go, but some reason he has opted to go down here. Maybe he feels safe there. Maybe the night herons don't have domain. I don't know. Uh, and then he begins talking. I guess we eventually learn that this is a demon. Yep, the bold texted demon. But this took me a long time to, to figure out. I still don't. I, I, I remain confused by it. Mm-hmm. He just starts chatting with this thing. Yeah. Uh, he says, like, who are you? Yeah, I don't know if it was, um, like, insight chatting or if he's actually saying these things out loud or if the brownies can hear, too. But, um, yeah, the demon starts just sort of getting in his ear. And uh, and, and Rule and, and Frangine are, what are they doing during this? They're protesting. I mean, they're like, that's a soul eater. That's a demon. Like, you know, don't talk to that guy. But uh, um, why did they run into the dungeon, though? Well, I, I mean, they knew there was a demon there, and they had escaped. And he's like putting his, uh, he's putting his like bindings back on, like he's putting on the the manacles and the uh, the chains. Right. The the demon kind of tells him to do that or something. Because some people are coming down. The captain's coming down back with Princess Anna Carey and some other like torturer or something. Uh, qu- question: Who's Princess Anna Carey? Princess Anna Carey is the uh, the chick that he saw dozens of hotter girls then. The Princess oh. of the Thunder Rider. Oh, okay. And it only just clicked to me now that uh, that Anna Carey is very similar to Anna Kin um, in the mm. uh, George George Lucas version. Oh, um, boy. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he goes back down there. He sees that her coming down, the, the torturer, the much older man who's with those two, has a death dog at, its he- at his heel, unchained and obedient as any household puppy. Um, and... Uh, he sort of is conflicted by this. The brownies are saying, don't trust him. But it says, the words came unbidden, the thought from nowhere, as though his own soul had taken momentary charge of his brain and dictated what was to come next. There wasn't a single reason to trust the demon. A lifetime of stories telling him to do precisely the opposite. Um, very few people probably need that spelled out. Don't trust the demons. But uh, our, our hero evidently does. Yeah. Um all right. Well, I'm confused then by faint crackles of blue fire pop from one flat piece of iron across to the other, but nothing else happened. Sweat ran into his eyes. 
Uh, yeah. Blazing hot. The crackles weren't faint anymore. The death dog had <laughs> almost reached him. I don't know what's going on there. I like, think he on- must have like hooked up one hand into the handcuffs, but then in order to hook up the other hand, he has to use electromagnetic magic to cuff the handcuff for him. That's all uh, I could pick up on. I, well, why would that stop the death dog from attacking? I don't know if the death dog would approach the cell and be like, you know, we're, we're, wait a second, like, <laughs> he's not cuffed. Like, this is, there's, there's something amiss. Uh, hmm. It, it right. didn't make any sense the first two times I read it. So it's, uh, I don't know if there's anything we're going to unearth here. Um, but at least that confusing thing is, uh, is ended with a, uh, a good old cliche of when he opened his eyes again, he had company. <laughs> the full complement of his inquisitors had arrived. I thought that was a, you know, it's a, it's an okay variation, but it really should have been Rule or Frangine tapping him and going, we mm-hmm. got company. Yep. Not now. I'm accessing my insight. <laughs> yes. Tap, there tap, are tap, sparks tap, tap. that are cracking and burbles and boilings of steam whistles. I'm trying to confuse <laughs> the audience here. Come on. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, the last note I had for the chapter was that the, they described the death dog. It says the noises it made were nothing like any honest hound. So I had just, I, I had mistaken that death dogs were honest hounds, but this turns out that the, uh, the, the death dogs are not, there's no honesty amongst them. Oh yeah. I mean, you, uh, you know, if a death dog wants to borrow your boat or whatever, don't even take a deposit. Just give it to them. They're, no, come uh, on. I, I, I want There's a girl I'm trying to impress. Let me have it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hound, yeah, all day long. Baby. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it ends with, uh, it ends with company. And uh, just like the food fight did, Chapter 6 picks up, uh, picks up right where, uh, where we're left off. I was infuriated by that. We now have three <laughs> chapters that are just contiguous, no reason to be. Uh, to have any break whatsoever um, and I you know if he's going to do these kinds of artificial breaks then I guess I would appreciate more artificial paragraph breaks too just just bust them up in ways that just so my eye can kind of rest and not get depressed as it looks down a solid yeah. column of text impenetrable text yeah I mean as, as books we've read uh, Dwight David Thrash and the uh, the White Worm and stuff they those were those were not easy books to read the font in Trucking Through Time was not easy but these paragraphs man do they start to just you know you, you zone out yeah well should we forge on chapter let's do six? it gotta make it happen all right and most of this chapter is the three daikini who have just come down are interrogating him and they they slap him around a bit which is nice i appreciate uh but almost the exact same thing as when he was slapped earlier by that guard i noted the it captain wasn't I think meant to is... hurt this was more the reminder given by a parent to a willful child to pay attention and behave. Worse would come later. <laughs> so every time he's hit, he's like, it's not that bad, but it's certainly a warning for later. Like, no, you're being hit right now. I mean, yeah. And then is that, what, is, what does that reveal about either of these authors? Like, yeah, you know, you know how you, you slap your kid around? It was like that, you know? It wasn't a, <laughs> it's just a warning. It wasn't like when you hit your wife, uh, really teach her a lesson. This was more of a you know, hitting your kid kind of thing. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> we just did a uh, we rehearsed a movie today a, a, a cartoon for kids where the uh, the 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 hero the lead hero slaps his twin sister in a moment of uh, you know in a heated moment slaps her to immediate red mark on her face knocking her to the floor <laughs> our hero yeah. so look for that one at uh, attack of the super monsters yeah yeah, uh, it would have been awesome if he had name dropped that. I'm, but I am positive. I am positive that Ernest Klein has seen that movie. 
Of course. It's a classic. It's a classic, terrible movie. Classic. Um, here's a, a, a sly reference here. See if you pick up on it. Nervously, he licked his lips, casting a furtive flash of the eyes toward the death dog. Quick as he was, the hound caught his gaze and bared teeth in a hungry snarl, jaws closing with an audible snap. <laughs> I think that is a reference to uh, Mad Mardigan's other character in Top yeah. Gun, snapping his teeth at someone. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, we had one of those last time, didn't we? Didn't have yes, much... we had another tooth snap. Wow. Yeah. You're putting in Easter eggs here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, the, the guy, the, the, the captain slaps him around, uh, he's like biting into his cheek and stuff. Like it, it gets, you know, it, it gets more than just, um, warning slaps in my opinion. Um, yeah, he but, starts, he starts beating him around pretty good here. Um, but then the, uh, the lady, I forget, Anna Carey is, uh, does sort of takes over. Um, she says, uh, what's your name? Thorn Drumheller lady. Tell us of Willow. Of, he swallowed extravagantly, I'm not sure what my lady means. Uh, and so I just, I, I said thank you uh, to, you know, addressing uh, the way that we're all feeling as reading this book. Because this is where it starts to get very confusing with, they know of Willow. There's also a Magus. The Magus may or may not be a Nelwyn. They think that Thorn might be the Magus or perhaps Willow. And I am confused as hell. You're going with Magus, huh? I got, how is it pronounced? <laughs> What is it? It's pronounced Bing. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry, yeah, that was I, that was low, low blow. Gonna walk. Low, low blow. Uh, I believe it's Magus. Magus. All right, all right. Lateral move for a word if, that hasn't look, been used I'm in, wrong, since the you know, dark ages. If I'm wrong, I got a lot of custard on my face, so uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'll look it up after, but I think it's Magus. <laughs> All right. So, but yes, I, I'm extremely confused because uh, she goes on to say uh, she didn't have the patience of the Mizen, or perhaps the atmosphere of the cell was affecting her as it did the death dog. Willow Offgood, slayer of the sorceress demon queen Bavmorda, godfather and sworn protector of the sacred princess Alora Danon, the Magus, need I say more? So it seems to think that Willow is the Magus. Yes, they also, and, but they uh, they say that the the Nelwyn said there could only be one Magus. Um, so again, I don't know if there's a a, a fake Willow out there or what. The yeah, hell is because going he on. later he says that he's like doing battle with the Magus or something. Like he's not aware either. But he he was brought here because Gurin thought that he could find the Magus or something. Yes, it's it's deeply confusing. Though. <laughs> it's incredible. It seems confusing. like each individual character has a different view of what the magus is and they can't it's it's really it's like a who's on first thing here with the people going back and forth because he doesn't it, there's no inner thought of him going like now he's really nervous because she's she's hit upon the truth but i must hide my identity right it's like no you're just left to go wait he doesn't have any idea either what she's talking about <laughs> right no i think he, he says as much he's just like yeah i don't know what you're talking about um he, you know, she says, like, you know, he says, that is, that is no, oh, well, let's read this whole thing. The trooper says different, commented the warlord, says you're a Nelwyn. I've never denied that. But the Magus says he's the only Nelwyn. The Magus is mistaken. They slap him. Are you arguing, Peck? Forgive me, Lord, but you are misinformed. You know the Magus? Lord? Don't be so tedious, Peck. You said you could help with the search. I knew him when he was a farmer, Lord. Uh, so... <clears throat> So the Mel the Magus says he's the only Nelwyn. Thorn says that's not true. He says you know the Magus. He says I knew him when he was a farmer. I don't know what the hell's going on. 
Well, I mean, I think he's being sly there, but it's so confusing saying there's more than one, but they all think there's, I don't know. Yeah, but they seem to be in communication with the mages. Let's not, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. know. Let's don't not know. harp on it. Yeah. You know what you just read there? I was going to, I forgot to do it, but I was going to get the, uh, the word, the trooper says different, commented the warlord, says you're a new one. It reminded <laughs> me of, uh, of Roadhouse. When he, <laughs> I got a cousin down in New Orleans. <laughs> Says you killed a man. <laughs> Says you said at the trial it was in self-defense. It's like, you have to have a cousin in New Orleans to know that. Right. There's a famous murder trial. <laughs> you, you could look it up. You could call yeah, exactly. the, the county records or whatever, but no, you have to have a cousin. <laughs> well, they couldn't really look it up because they don't know his last name. So, Yeah, that is true. That is true. That checks out. I'm sorry. All these years I've been slandering that movie, and it's uh, right on. Um, yeah, they, uh, she uses a, a new technique on him. It's not a minor glamour, but she uses a voice caress on him. She like whispers in his ear and that's a new type of spell. Oh, so is that different than the, she's like putting stars in his face or whatever? Yeah, she also does that. She drew a bunch of, uh, stars, drew a circle on his forehead, a third eye, and then that, that invokes a, like a mind meld, which which she uses as sort of like a, uh, a polygraph almost to see if he's telling the truth. All right, well, then I missed that particular, uh, you know, minor glamour or whatever the hell it is. Uh, <laughs> but I did uh, I did note this, that they do this a couple times. The underling refers to each of the overlings as a dread lord. Is that something you call to your boss to his face? I, <laughs> right. <know? laughs> like, I thought that was a thing, you know, my dread lord will, you know, he's dreaded. He's, right. he's, he's awful, but you don't like... To him, you usually have some, you know, my suzerain, my king of kings. You don't call him, you know, you scurvy piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's trying to take it back and, you know, make it, make it, make it his own word. I guess that could be, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, they, they get a, a hair description of her. She shakes her head, picking her silver clip from her braid and threading her fingers through her hair from her forehead to pull back the thick mahogany plates free as though she couldn't bear it to be bared to be ba- bound any longer so drink yet again um I, I, I wish we had actually played that drinking game for this it would have made this more fun right um, right he's really trying to make the uh, the plate thing uh, a, a thing and yeah i am not I, ready to bite on that yet when you read it before i wasn't even sure how it was spelled so i now i see that it's p l a i t yes i mean it's 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 a real world real word <laughs> but uh, it's not one that has any human ever said that to you no no of course not oh there was a uh uh, an earlier word, I th- threw my note away already, but I think I remember. Ensorcel? <laughs> I didn't see that one. Which I, I knew was, you know, probably to cast some sort of sorcery. And uh, I looked it up and, yeah, it's there in the dictionary, you know, in a dusty page that has never yes. been looked at. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he pulled out Ensorcel. Webster's Word of the Year in 1612. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, then they, uh, they, they, uh, he's like explaining things to her. She's sort of believing him. Um, she sees a, a flash of her long lost twin brother. Um, and then, uh, when she, he's on the verge of sort of winning her over and convincing him that he's not the magus. And, uh, then the bad guy, the dread captain rushes forward with some like magic knife and stabs it into his third eye where she had painted in his forehead. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. So that's after she she outlined his lips to prevent him from holding back any words. Sure. After that, the same <laughs> to his ears, so she'd hear only her words, and to his nose, so she'd have mastery over his very breath. 
<laughs> and he sort of just like knows what she's doing. He's like, oh, you're doing the old uh, nose to your breath thing. Oh, yeah, I see. he says uh, he's done it a hundred times. So he's <laughs> gone up to people and drawn star crap on people and melded with them against their will. <laughs> so he's pretty dread himself, I'd right. say. I guess so. Um, you know, you, I guess they had to like bend down so he could reach their face or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and yeah, he sort of convulses, does a scarecrow dance when he stabs him. He realizes that this is how they got, uh, his, uh, his not son Farron to become leader of the death dog pack. Makes as much sense if you're hearing it for the first time here as it does when you read it. I didn't even, I was kind of giving up at this point. I got to admit it was tough. It was tough going. I did not get that. That's what he was talking about with that. Cause she's, there's been like four spells cast back and forth, right? Since he's been down there. Right, There's yeah. Lightning plus, bolts are sealing up iron. It's all poorly described, and eventually you're just like, okay, whatever, just give me to the... Yeah. What's, what's going to happen? The demon who's been talking to him has sort of just made himself scarce during this whole thing. <laughs> right. I'll uh, I'll be over in the corner, and, uh, you know, if you need me, um, you know, just uh, just give me a shout, but I'm, I'm going to hang out here and see what's what's going down. No, I could really use some help. They've got me tied up in some sort of psychic bond here, and now a guy's stabbing me through the forehead. I, if just, we're going to have uh, a relationship. I'm just going to finish this text, and, and then you get I, my full attention. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they, uh, they move on to, uh, I think they sort of leave. The old man leaves. The death dog leaves. Uh, also very unclear. You would, you would think that— Jalabi leaves? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He says, is that your solution to everything, Jalabi? <laughs> I thought that was very lucas That had to be a Lucas note. Oh, yeah. Jalabi and Shando. <laughs> yes. Road to Angwin. <laughs> uh, uh, and he talks about the bonding, which is caps, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, they, uh, there's more of this like sort of like hallucinogenic body horror that we've gotten a few times. That same sort of like hallucination that we didn't make heads or tail of earlier. It says everything in him that hurt, he transformed into rage and cast it out in his voice. Fire exploded from his breast, lighting him from within as it followed the byways of his nervous system to the ends of his body and shot away with such fury that chains were ripped from their place in the wall. He like pulls the wall down and like the, you know you know no matter that skin was broken and bones crushed beneath but I guess he's okay you know he's like tearing his cheeks to shreds teeth are broken like that's it's all exactly very... was almost exactly my note like do I have this right <laughs> he's got a dagger in his head and he's fighting it with a sword that he made with his mind but he's getting broken and crushed by something and his mouth is smashed to bits right that's that's where we are right now yeah. But this, it's, it's, by the way, it's, is after a uh, soul self again. One word. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And change spell. So, but yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those uh, crushed by rocks, uh, teeth shattered things that you just sort of like shake it off. You know, sure. come on, walk it off, man. Yeah, it's, you know, I've your soul so self many, is fine. Yeah, I've taken so many daggers to the head and crushed my own mouth more times than I can count. <laughs> At least I don't look like a pig child. <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns into the floor <laughs> just so i i, Sorry, I had everything yes. no, everything no, was it's, clear as, as it's all be. true yes. it just but i just imagine someone like who's not reading the book who's listening to this <laughs> driving and like running off the road my god so yep uh you know you 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 delve into the world of, of fantasy just to like you know escape uh, you know the the confines of reality to just take you to a, a magical place where where things happen that you can't do in your day to day life, like turning into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 
Uh, the demon, uh, the demon comes along. Yeah, it says uh, all light went away. The torches left by Modri. That's the captain. So Thorn could watch what was happening to him. Simply winked out. The floor rose up around him as though it had turned to tar, and then he was the floor. <laughs> he was every st- he was stone, every stone from the core foundation to the highest roof point. And then you get one of these, which is always great when like uh, you know authors like Lovecraft. I feel like does this a lot. He had no words to describe the experience and no means to catalog the overwhelming number and variety of sensations. Well done, author who's telling us this story. Yeah, that's not, uh, that ain't right. (laughs) That's that's, kind of your job. Yeah. But yeah, he becomes the floor. Uh, And then as the floor, he's able to, (laughs) uh, I didn't know this about floors. They're looking at us all the time because he's able to kind of wander around the castle Yep. And he listen to, to things. Eavesdrop. Yeah. So it's kind of like an NSA floor here. He's able to do anything. And then he gives this very common example of what it's like. It was like standing at the heart of a mirror room, knowing that even the most wayward glance would reveal a near infinite number of reflections, no two quite the same. And uh, I think I think we can all appreciate what it's like to stand <laughs> at the heart of a mirror room. Knowing that even the most wayward glance, uh, yeah. So thank you for using that very, very common description to give us this very abstruse thing you're trying to describe, even more confusing. Well, yeah. I mean, the the only reason that any of us understand what he's talking about is having seen that in you know movies or cartoons or something. The experience of being in a movie, a mirror funhouse. So he's just relying on that cliche, though. A mirror room. That even the, I, well, I don't know. Maybe he is talking about a funhouse because they do have Halloween and everything there. So, uh, <laughs> right. I guess yeah, it's but like a regular old funhouse. So he's seeing other him as the floor reflected off into infinity? I, that's what I, that's what Does I he know. have like, is there a face in the floor? Like, I mean, I you know. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so he eavesdrops on uh, two uh, daikini. He describes them as both portly and dressed for success. And they're sort of like the uh, the exposition brigade. They're saying things like, you know, hey, the king knows his business. So I believed until those damnable mazen were invited within these walls. Well, their warlord is a prince in his own right, just the man to tame Anna Carey. As allies, they'd secure our southern frontiers. You can't deny that. And it's only an escort party. I doubt the Red Lions have anything to fear from a few score men, even Thunder Riders. So he just gets that out there, you know, to uh, they do a, a bit more of that, just sort of uh, seeding plot points for the future. I guess there's some potential betrayal about to happen. Right. Yeah, this is a uh, little conspiracy. But yeah, I was already thrown by the guys who were dressed for success. <laughs> yes, that was amazing. <laughs> it's like power ties and, uh, you know, this. <laughs> different colored uh, collars and then a collar tab like you know wall street kind of a thing the men's warehouse guy is sizing them up and like you know yeah i guarantee it (laughs) but uh just before that here's a i'll just read a little bit of it because in the middle of all this confusing crap i think this paragraph is pretty much unreadable but uh here here it is then absurdly the concept of drowning led to that of swimming he was a rare new one he liked the water why are we talking about water now? He's, and why is it absurd to go from drowning <laughs> to swimming? And that he wasn't very graceful. He remembered Rule muttering that he had the style of a lame frog, and more than once Bastion and Anil using him for fishing practice. He's, he's a floor now. He's what the, the hell floor. are you talking about? Yeah, I he mean, He stopped you know. worrying about all that. He was worrying about that? <laughs> he's a goddamn floor. What is he doing? 
Look, and then he look, simply you've accepted. never turned into a floor. You don't know what, I mean, you know, it could be very much like swimming. Yes. <laughs> but it, here's what your therapist should tell you, because he ends all of that, whatever that was, that confusion. He's now accepting that he can't swim and that Bastion and Anil used him for fishing practice, I guess. <laughs> this cacophony was the medium through which he moved. Sanity was a matter of relegating it to the background where it could be ignored. So, you know, if you go in with severe mental problems and you mm-hmm. think you're a floor and you're having visions of being a lame frog and you're being fished out by giant eagles, just put it in the background and ignore, ignore it. it. Yeah. Little voice telling you to, you know, go up in the clock tower and uh, start plucking people <laughs> off. Ignore that. <laughs> that one is just, I, I just thought, for God's sake, editor, take yeah. that out. Fishing practice, lame frog. I mean, you know, That's it's a good example of his of? verbal jugular, but I mean, still, <laughs> yeah. it's... Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, but then one of the, one of the, one, someone else during this, someone else he's eavesdropping on, um, speaks for the entire reading audience when they said, I shall be so thankful when one of this is over. <laughs> it's like it's like the equivalent of the guy who starts the Phantom Menace by saying, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> right. But in speaking of the Phantom Menace, we get this uh, clear Lucas influence. Uh, I forget who's talking at this point, but you've seen my plans with engines of steam. We can haul more goods faster. We'll gladly pay tariffs provided. You know, the merchant mm. said after a hesitation, they're reasonable. Um, so that's that's good too. You just have a, a potential potential tariffs, the mm. most exciting kind of tariff. Let's get into a council chamber and discuss those tariffs because you don't know how big they're going to be, or maybe they'll be small ones that are reasonable. So it's exciting. It is. <laughs> we got especially that to look from forward. the from the POV of a floor. Uh, he also he, he hears uh, Alora's dressmaker calling her a spavened little bitch. Uh, <laughs> spavened, yeah. Um, and then he. He he comes out of it. I, I guess he just sort of like travels around the whole thing uh, as the floor, but then he eventually uh, comes out of it back in the cell. Um, and anything else when, while he's the floor? No. I okay. Then it gets to the really long conversation with the demon. Yeah, but first that we get the we get a hint that he may or may not have uh, crapped his pants while while as the floor. Says he pushed himself up to see that the wall was still broken, and he lay amongst a scattered jumble of jumble of stone blocks. Some were freshly stained, but he decided not to investigate further. Good detail. <laughs> His clothes, what remained of them, were as fouled, and he began to undress. So, oh man, I I was thinking honestly, I was probably you know speed reading at this point. I was thinking that he was like bloody or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Fouled. <laughs> fouled. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're, you're, Who's the pig now, man? Yeah. <laughs> he's uh he's doing the um uh point break thing and he's crapping his pants and he's about to rub it into his hair <laughs> isn't that what he accuses yeah Keanu yeah reefs of doing that? it's like he's saying he's been working since he was young enough to be doing that i think that was his wow. <laughs> uh okay uh, so the pulling the walls down was real so his, yeah so his mouth is Torn to shreds, bashed up, and his teeth are all shattered, and there's stumps in his mouth because they're cutting his his mouth up and everything. Right? I can't keep track. I don't know. I he, uh, nothing a minor glamour can't fix. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the demon then starts talking to him. Um, he says uh, his his backstory, uh, how I came to be. 
I do not know. I have always been of this place, bound to the stones when they were freestanding, and carried with them when quarried or cut to form the first foundation. No memory of who had ensnared it or why or how long ago, save it was a time when none of the present races walked the world. So that's uh, that's his thrilling uh, contribution. I don't know. I've just always been here. Just <laughs> don't ask me any questions. I, I can't even remember myself. But w- Thorne... Uh... Uh, typical of of what he does when he gets into a boring conversation and needs to get out of there. I must go, Thorne said. <laughs> I I got I, I got this thing <laughs> right. You came back here. No, you don't. You <laughs> locked yourself up. Uh, yeah. So he tells him he can't go, and then you know you owe me the debt for what yeah. I did, which I'm still puzzling over exactly what that was. Well, I think he turned him into the floor. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, the first taste is free, but uh, if you ever want that to happen again, you, know, yeah, uh, you want to overhear more tariff conversations, uh, who are you <laughs> going to come to, huh? <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Um, you also get a, as he's looking at his, um, I guess, non-fouled clothes, or maybe his clothes, but you get, the, this section was front-loaded with the unnecessary descriptions, but boy, they end, end with a bang. Uh, so it says, the darkness moved, initially revealing Thorne's belt and pouches, which he gratefully pulled to him. He fished out a canteen and splashed precious water on his face. Fresh clothes came to hand, a fashion mostly inspired by rule. A shirt of heavy cotton, dyed a green so dark it was almost black, as useful for camouflage in the night as in the deep woods. Trousers of wool, buckskin boots that laced to the knee, designed for hard travel. I mean, he was just a floor, and they're telling us how boots work. Designed for hard travel over rough country, dark sweater, woven so tightly it was virtually waterproof, even without his enchantments to help, shearling vest built with big pockets, the sweater and vest he let lie for a moment warm enough in shirt alone. Uh, it just, again. And, and then he, he scarfed some food. <laughs> so the, remember, the demon's just like sitting there. Yeah. Uh, watching him. It's like, uh, hey, can we uh, remember I have, I own your soul now and hang on, just got to. Got one boot on and a lot of laces on these boots, so hang yeah. on here. You, you help yourself to some floor meat sandwich while I'm lacing up. Because uh, one lace and there <laughs> is two. There are thirty-seven laces on that boot. Well, sure, they're designed for hard travel over rough country. You expect me to? <laughs> I'm gonna put on my shearling vest now. Pretty big pockets on this baby, if I do say so. Mike, would you just finish dressing? Yeah. He just keeps like puffing out the Patagonia logo on his vest to hope that the guy will notice. Like. Hoping that the demon, the floor demon <laughs> notices. Um, uh, so yeah, I so- don't know why he thought for a moment that he didn't have to, but there seems to be a lot of like, no, you you can't go. Remember, you this is a clear thing. You sold your soul to a demon. Um, yeah. So he's wh- sort of where like- do you think you're going? What, he's like, I got to get he- running. There was some stuff where it was like he he took a deep breath and gave in or something. Like the demon was like, "I can help you," but um, you know, it's a because it, because ruler Frangine was like, "You're making a deal with a demon." He was like, "I know." So I don't it never, never explain what the de- what the deal was, but I think just yeah. But why does no? Why does he think he can just go? He knows that oh, he made right. The deal. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, and the deal, um, boy, the deal. If you well, can shows, explain this, I okay. You win. You win everything. Well, he shows him a woman from the Spice Lands, uh, and the Spice Lands are have been have been richly established 
um, so far in the book, uh, in the in the sense that they have been referred to once with no further information. So we don't really need to know much more about this woman. Uh, but it says she didn't breathe, but she wasn't dead. So I, she might be the woman who fell down the stairs and hit her head. But please make note of the fact that he he says when he looked up, a woman lay before him. She floated at waist height, with night on every side. And then he okay. goes on to describe not very hot woman here. <laughs> so her hand. feet are where her waist would be normally. She's like floating off the. Like, well, she you know. lay. So I feel like she's doing a little, you know, video game, like floating in front of him for some. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't understand why. And then uh, by no. the end of the chapter. Well, it's a Spicelands thing. It's a Spicelands thing. Okay. But do you know who <laughs> you think it's that woman? But there's no clue to that, is there? Uh, no, that was purely just like I, I have to, I my my mind needs to make some logical connections here. Otherwise, I'm gonna, uh, you know, go Lovecraftian mad that I cannot describe. Because then he says, "Who was she?" Mm-hmm. And then we get the answer: meat. <laughs> As you are meat, is there a difference? Yeah. So I mean, um, we, I guess we had meat at the beginning of the last chapter. We had plates of cold meat, cold and meat. now we get yeah. we get this meat. Yeah, so I guess that's just sort of the nihilistic demon just being like, it's nothing to me, I've been here before you, and I'll be here after you, so you're all meat. Yeah, but, um, but if you came up to, let's say you're the demon, and I'm me, and you present <laughs> a, a woman, and I go, who's this? And then you say, meat. My, what's your follow-up question? It's like, well, why did you show okay, me the why meat? why are you showing me the meat? Yes. <laughs> let's not argue about the semantics. You don't think there's a soul or whatever. Why are you presenting me with a meat person? And that never comes up. No, he does. He is. The, it's the master of, of not asking the questions that need to be answered just in order to keep the whatever qualifies as a narrative here going. Well, maybe he's just like too embarrassed to ask. Like, I, boy, I, yeah. really, I really should know why he's uh, dangling a... Uh, a piece of meat lady in front of me at waist height, but I yeah, I, like in in middle school, someone like in the locker room shows you a picture of her, like a, a really attractive person, and you you don't know who it is, but you're too embarrassed to be like, he's like, check it out, and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just hovering there, and then they have their once again kind of have the discussion of uh, you know you bargain with the demon and you're cursed as a result, and so now you need to pay me off. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I want freedom for my child. Yeah. Okay. So assumption there. The demon has a child. The demon's child is the woman hovering in front of me as a piece of meat. Sure. And you want me to do my resurrection spell on you. <laughs> no. Not a chance. I don't think that's it. So the dangling a piece of meat in front of me, just a really weird non sequitur, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, he's just, uh, you know, he, Willow was showing off his, his Patagonia vest, and this guy had a nice Spicelands lady that he can dangle. So just uh, one-upsmanship. Uh, do you mind if I set her down? Like, keeping her at waist height is kind of, uh, you know, it's taxing. I'm <laughs> I'm 4,000 years old. I'm not as young I, as I used to be. Uh, and I thought it would impress you more than it appears to. I forgot you were also a wizard. And uh, <laughs> When I said meat, I thought you'd have a follow-up. You did not. And now she's just hovering uncomfortably between us. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, meet who? And then I'd say, meet Joe Black. Uh, and... Uh, and then I was going to cackle and go, ha, 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 meet is what we call all of you. But you didn't say it, and so the moment's ruined. And uh, anyway, I'm going to set her down. <laughs> yeah, and you look like a pig. Um, <laughs> but yeah, then then he goes on to say, he, he talks about uh, the princess. He calls her the youngling in the tower. So a youngling, again, that's a, a Star Wars connection, a very unfortunate one. He says, uh 
she she was afraid. She was more babe than girl, found burned and bruised and smoking in the yard whereon her airy was built. She moved, she breathed, but in most ways she was as hollow within as this flesh from here. F- flesh form here. Only Anna Carey dared touch her. The others had too much fear. She would speak to none of them. She would speak to me, though. I was special to her. She called me friend. Um, so that's him talking about uh, Alora Danum. Right. Who, again, is she his child? Has he become attached to her? I also don't think so. Um, just based on based on looking for fanfic later, I believe that they are separate entities. So, but is, he's saying right here that he's like a, he's like a Frankenstein's monster um, version of a floor demon. Like only uh, only she would call me friend. Oh yeah, he's misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he wants. He wants him to save her, but isn't that his thing already? Isn't that what he's doing? Yeah, he. I guess he. He wants Willow to be Thorn to be nice to the princess, which is yeah, what he set out to do. Um, I guess he just has to keep going up there with room service carts until it eventually works out, like in uh, uh, that Tom Cruise movie where he keeps dying uh, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it puts me in mind as well of a uh, fire starter, where the character has to keep. Uh, he's he's actually working with the with like the CIA or something to turn her into a weapon, but she thinks he's the janitor. And so huh. he finally, you know, so he, she doesn't torch him, but eventually he weasels his way into her affections and et cetera. But, uh, well, maybe they're going to do the him Willow and floor demon team up to do like a Pygmalion type of thing where they turn her into a, a proper lady. Why you've even fixed her pig nose, sir. <laughs> yeah. Pygmalion. Boom. How <laughs> oh, the connections. Um, um but, so is Willow then at this point going, oh boy, the demons, what are you going to ask me to do? Uh, like uh, murder my own wife and bring her beating heart to him here? And it's like, I want you to rescue the princess from the tower. And he's going, <laughs> you stupid idiot. I was yeah. doing that anyway. Pretty standard hero stuff, actually. Uh, that seems to me like what's happening, but I might be deeply confused right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it does seem like the demon uh, so far has uh, been like one of the few characters he can trust. Um, we'll see if that bears out or not. But, I mean, we still are not halfway through this, and we still have not met Shando or Corey. So I guess we're still <laughs> we're going to see what happens. Oh, but there's more confusion before this chapter ends, I'm sad to say. At least okay. for me. Sure. Uh, because then we get, a, we get she made a garden... And the, oh, even yeah. the night herons couldn't befoul it. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I don't know how that figures into satisfying the demon's request, whatever the demon's request was, just like save this girl. Uh, okay, so I'm confused, but let's bring some ca- clarity. Faintest of gleams on the floor caught his eye. A quick bend and reach brought Ang- Anna Carey's hair clip to his hand. Mm-hmm. Reflexively... He reached back for his own. I know when I see a hair clip, that's what I do. <laughs> Just reach for my own. Though he could feel it was long gone, lost in the mad scramble around Alora's airy, or during his own seizure, he didn't know. He lightly rubbed his thumb over his oval face. It's design, blah, blah, blah. Again, oh, the twin... Oh, this just, is yeah. You you had to know this. Yeah, he gives him one more. He gives him one more neg. He says he lightly rubbed his thumb over the oval face. It's designed chased by an earnest hand whose ambition outleaps skill. So he's just like <laughs> takes he's, the he's, time to neg the teeth are shattered. He's, he was just the floor, but he's like this guy sucked at making hair bands. Uh, it's adorable that he tried, uh, but. Uh, 
so a, a last gift on their shared birthday before the world shattered. My God, Who's, I don't know what that means. He's talking about Anna Carey? Anna Carey, who did the mind meld with him before he got stabbed by the uh, phantom knife. And this was a gift to him on their shared birthday before the world shattered? Uh... <laughs> and then says, the princess loved few things more. Princess Anna Carey. More than what? <laughs> more than her hair clip? More than her crappy hair clip, I guess. But how is it he knows that from the mind meld? I guess they mind melded and... Uh, and they and know that they share a birthday? And she has a uh, twin brother who she hasn't seen in a long time. And so this is what, this is what causes him to uh, accept the demon's challenge and say, if it's in within my power, I'll save your child. Okay, but wow. What does the hair clip and Anna Carey have to do with going to f- to save the child? Uh, maybe it's so crappy of a hair clip that he's like, I have nothing left to live for, so I'll, I will do this suicide mission for you, demon. <laughs> that's, what, that's what finally, uh, finally turns <laughs> Pushes him over? Him. Yeah. In a world that can make this kind of Chinese garbage hair clip, <laughs> what the hell do I get? <laughs> oh. Oh, man. So much confusion. The most confusion we've ever had in one of these sections, I think. It is deeply confusing and deeply, deeply difficult to read. <laughs> his, uh, he's trying to be clever with his prose, I think, but it's impenetrable and it just irritates. Uh, yeah. Whew. I'm glad to be done with it, but at least there's yeah. a thick chunk of it left. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's over uh, 220 more pages. But, uh, I mean, you know, it, it seems like we've been having this discussion. We're on the same page, but it remains to be seen if uh, if the listeners out there are are on the same page or if they are, are thinking that we're just a bunch of curmudgeons. So why don't we, uh, why don't we do some emails? We're going to the party. We're going to the game. We're going to the dinner. Ain't going to cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. All right. What do what do people think? Well, people are on the same page as us. Okay. <laughs> I get this one from Carrie. I've been wrong for decades. Guy Montag was a hero led astray by that harlot shill Clarice. Books should be burned. Wow. I think that's I think that's Fahrenheit four fifty one. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's good. Uh, Mike T says uh, you asked. Here they are. I guess his thoughts. I hate this book. I'm taken aback by how much I hate this book. It's the first book we've done where I'm perfectly cool with just giving up. If you guys want to throw in the towel, I will not object. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, I, I mean I don't I'm not going to throw it in. I, I I need to need to see this out, but uh, good to see that that is a, uh, a a we have we have the permission if we want to. Uh, don't think that did not occur to me. I know it's an <laughs> unprecedented move. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a uh, you know. It's the coward's way out. I think we got to see it through, but I don't know. Check with me next episode. (laughs) Um, We got uh, this one. This is from David. He says, I'm behind on 372 pages, so you've probably already been flooded with emails about this. But I just wanted to point out that an animal that transmits a toxin through its bite is not poisonous. It is venomous. This is regarding the death dogs. A poison is something that is swallowed, absorbed through the skin, or inhaled. A toxin that is introduced through a bite or sting would be venom. So when... uh, Clucas waffles back and forth between whether or not death dogs are poisonous. He's not even really using the appropriate term. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah. It's good that someone something is wrong on uh, on multiple levels. 
we get this one from Elizabeth. She says, first off, two things. I haven't wa- One, I haven't watched Willow in a long time, so my memory for details about death dogs is non-existent. Two, I have no time to read the books, and I haven't listened to the most recent episode, so I hope you will forgive me if this has come up already. Uh, it has not. I wonder if the inspiration for the death dog's deadly but not poisonous bite comes from Komodo dragons. Oh, that did come up. Oh, did? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, I brought that up, I think, when you were... Trying to decide trying between to suss this out. poison yeah. or, or venom, yeah. Okay, well, she's yeah, she says it was thought they their Komodo dragon's bites were deadly because of the types of bacteria found in their mouths. Within the last decade, that's been debunked. Big surprise, Komodo dragons are actually venomous. Oh, good, because I said that with confidence on air. Okay. And then, uh, to, so <laughs> I'm glad she, she fact-checked me there. Nice. Uh, this one comes from uh, Copeland. He gave us some more uh, some more options. If you like these better than Clucas, please weigh in. Uh, Lou Claremont, Lucas Mont, Claire de Luc, lose clues with your host, old Claire Knucklehead. Uh, X Force already taken. We made franchises for Disney. Jack Tono, Psylocke, the incompatible <laughs> pros, bros. Ernest Klein wishes he was these guys. So yeah, good, uh, thank you. Good, uh, good catchy names there. We get this one from Jenny. This is a question for you. I was wondering if this book has inspired Mike to write new material for Edward the Less. It was a very funny <laughs> fantasy parody. I would love him to continue and finish. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought of that in uh, in years. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll revisit that. Did he ever become a floor in that in that saga? Did not become a floor. <laughs> uh, and then our last email. This is just from Jesse. Subject line: Shadow Moon entirety of email body it's bad so yeah that's good i i was wondering are there any dissenting voices uh like i said you know any bar has a regular any book has got to have a defender who's like no no you guys don't understand Um, Um, i'm waiting for that i think i think some people were like this section wasn't as bad as the previous section i think they (laughs) said that just because some stuff happened they were damning Um, it with faint praise okay yeah that's that's different from a full-throated defense of you don't understand it's genius yes um but yeah so far no one has no i don't think anyone has been curmudgeonly and boy i i I would like to you know maybe we're going to get like oh no by book two that's when it really starts to you know you have to appreciate it uh in in this in the trilogy is as a whole right right remember when we we did a it's an unaired episode and i think somehow i destroyed it in a computer crash or something when we did a an episode with the the uh the guy who defended um ernest klein on a oh, podcast yeah, yeah yeah and then we got him on the phone and you know he's a very nice guy so there was nothing contentious but nice guys sort of backing down don't make for good uh, radio no, it, no. It, he was like well i'm not saying that it's <laughs> no it made me feel so bad yeah. Where he was like you know it's just like you know i i put my like two-year-old she finally goes to bed and it's yeah. been a hard day of work and i can just sort of like go out to my like garage and read this and like it's like oh god we were hoping to you know get into a shouting match with the guy I really have some exciting radio you know morning dj stuff or something yeah, yeah. no it was just a pleasant discussion with this with this great guy uh, um yeah so that is lost we don't have that no, I, I, I might have. Uh, I don't know. There might be a way to reconstruct it. It could be somewhere, but okay, it well, requires yeah, going you, to backups and stuff. Like nobody that. missed much. We looked bad. <laughs> so yeah, that's yes. the main. <laughs> um, well, speaking of bad and dumb, let's read some dumb sentences. 
A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. Or an exclamation or a question mark. All right. I hope that go. guy comes to Burlington because I would go to that concert and yell out for that song. Oh, for sure. And that song, I think, um, I think that song itself goes on for like four and a half minutes or something, which yeah, is longer yeah. than I would think a, a little dumb sentence song would go. Yeah. It's like when you realize, you know, the Star Spangled Banner and Jingle Bells all have like third and fourth verses that no one has ever heard. Right. <laughs> They're like, bye bye, Miss American Pie. And you never knew it. Yeah, or like I, I saw like an alt angle of the uh, Tiananmen Square tank guy picture the other day, which is just like, oh, right, of course there's probably more pictures of this. Like, right, yeah. But yeah, he just... Anyway, uh, so yeah, that uh, that uh, Pulitzer Prize winning photo was similar to the sentence song on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, these are the dumb sentences of the week. All right, our first sentence came from Lucas. Uh, I don't remember what the context for this was, but it was, or is this a case of holding friends close but enemies closer? He just says, does this mean the Godfather 2 exists in the Willowverse? Oh. Uh, yeah. He says, George mm. Lucas is friends with Francis Ford Coppola and did some uncredited editing for the first Godfather movie, so you'd think he'd know where this quote came from. Mm. Man, it goes deep. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it does just, uh, maybe it exists. Hopefully Godfather 3 does not exist. Uh, this is from Janelle. There was no sense of movement. It was as if some particle of him was aware of every simultaneous moment within the confines of the castle, allowing him the ability, M-dash, through the demon M-dash, to switch from one to the other as though he was exchanging painted illuminations in a viewer. So that's, he... She's, she's frustrated because he, he has been in the dungeon twice. He returned to the dungeon to then explore other parts of the of the castle. So it is a uh, it is you know I, I was frustrated because he turned into a floor, um, but you know <laughs> to each her own. Oh man, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> uh, this the one demon com- made him go and lock himself up so he could turn himself into a floor, and then it doesn't pay off. But, <laughs> Uh, this one's from Emily. She says, uh, he pitched himself forward, clawing his way up his own legs. She just said, not possible. What is going on? And yeah, I'm not sure uh, that mental image is a is a difficult one to make heads or tails of. Hey, well, when you go to lean against a wall and it's not there anymore, you got to do some weird things. So. <laughs> Tom submitted, the brownie shrug was a most eloquent reply. And so he submitted that as a physical challenge. How does the uh, how do you do an eloquent shrug? Was the one shouldered shrugging in Tech War eloquent? Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Harris. This is regarding the uh, pig girl. She had a good arm, matching strength with surprisingly precise accuracy, and he couldn't help the thought that she showed the skill of long practice and realized at the same time that this explained the comparative absence of the servants he'd seen when he first emerged from the lift. Harris writes, uh, unnecessarily long as that sentence is, which is redundant to say for most of the book, my focus was on the she had a good arm segment, because when a bipolar tween is having a mental breakdown, that should be the first thing that comes into your mind, her pitching acumen. (laughs) We got to get a gun on that kid. I don't know. Uh, This one's from Andrew. This is the last one. He was so enwrapped by the sights and sounds and smells of the kitchen, he quite forgot that he was an intruder. But, I mean, that one makes a bit more of a sense when you've seen a, a kitchen just full of sights and sounds that are so unique in a kitchen that you've never seen before. It's easy to forget, for, you know, to forget that you are not supposed to be there. Yeah, dazzled by the stove. He could, uh, yeah, he could get lost. and there. cold water. Um, mm. Let's see what I have. Um, D-S-O-T-W. 
Are you uh, doing a search on your hard drive? Is that what we're reduced to now? Yes. Okay. Here's my first one. It was, the brownie shook his head and munched on a radish, pausing after the first bite to add a sprinkle of salt. The radish was, to him, 478 <laughs> pounds. The yes. salt shaker yeah. was beyond even his capacity to move with a dump truck. Right. Each individual grain of salt was a boulder. Um, <laughs> that is, a, and a, my other one was, uh, he was as much the demon now as he was an eagle when insight allowed him to ride his soul with anneals. Um, it just has a, a hodgepodge of, of dumbassery in that one sentence. Yeah, you know, the eagles yeah. are they going to show back up again? I assume so. But uh. well, they're going to use him for fishing practice for sure. <laughs> uh, of his inability to swim when he's a floor, a lame frog. Is... I mean, you know, look at him. Um, yeah. Anyway, what do you uh, do? You have any? Um, well, I have. These all tend to be like you say, just the the mush of words rather than super. You know, like big punchline dumb. But so here's a mass of words that will irritate you. And technically it's two sentences, but the horror, of course, the awful joy. Let me do it with commas. The horror, comma, of course, comma, the awful joy, comma, was the realization that, comma, given a second chance, M dash, even with all he knew, M dash, he'd make the same choice. Because happy as he <laughs> thought he was, comma, he'd still been only a ghost of a man. Good Lord. That's book hurling stuff right there. Yeah, that's yeah. Throw a handful of punctuation at a page and see what sticks. Yeah, and when you throw that book, someone's going to go. That guy's got a good arm. Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Make... Those are our dumb sentences. Those are our emails. That was our episode. Thanks again to everyone on Patreon at patreon.com/slash three hundred seventy-two pages. Go kick in so we can get five hundred people. Uh, for next time, we're going to read. Uh, it's through page through chapter eight. That's another 50, well, it's 51 pages this time. So <laughs> I know, I know, I don't know what to do, but this will put They're us... getting uh, longer. It'll put us to the halfway mark. Um, so yeah, read through chapter eight and uh, send us all your fan fiction, dumb sentences, emails, floor, pictures of, of Willow as a floor. I would love to see one of those. Oh, we'll get through this, people. <laughs> we'll get through this. Thank you. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back. So long. So long.